Steve, and this is streaming things. And why, why are the you? Witcher. Why are you Batmaning this intro? <laughs> I was trying to get more professional. Is that what professionals like, do? They're just like, "Where's the bomb?" No, you've got like a, a an audio voice, you know, like in a world, you know. Oh, you're they trying to be a movie trailer. Like, Hi, I'm Steve. Fucking Matrix Two is gonna be tits. You know? That's true. That's I do have an intro are. voice. I like how you went like, "Hello, welcome to the show." I'm like, "Hello, everyone." <laughs> <laughs> you could do like Lego Movie or something. It's true. Everything that is voice. awesome. <laughs> Everything is awesome. I'm Steve. <laughs> yeah, I was just trying to get you know polished for the for the credentials. But yes, uh, thank you all for tuning in. If you're new. Welcome. Hooray. You made it. You found your new favorite podcast. Uh, this time we're delving deep, balls deep, which is inappropriate but accurate, into the Witcher franchise. Season one of The Witcher in hot anticipation of season two, which is going to drop on December the 17th. It's coming uh, right around the corner, man. It's so close. It's closer than Christmas, verifiably. Which I'm, is exciting. Big if true. Big if true. <laughs> Some might say eight days sooner than Christmas. The and, 17th is going to be quite a day for me. I don't know about you, Steve. I got a couple things going on that day. I got The Witcher season two, which I'm going to have to watch all of it probably. But I'm also going to have to somehow squeeze in recovering from seeing Spider-Man No Way Home the night before. Because I got tickets for December 16th. Did you order them on Spider Monday? Spider Monday. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was a and, thing. Uh, we when, when I went and saw Ghostbusters Afterlife in the theater, they were they played the new Spider Man trailer and they're like, order your tickets on Spider Monday. And there oh, was, was that when those tickets were going on sale, I guess. Yeah, I guess it was uh whatever this past Monday was. And um there were like three different people in the crowd who went, Ooh, Spider Monday. Oh <laughs> that's actually clever because it was Cyber Monday that day. I get it. I get the reference. See, their marketer, if had they made a podcast, would have used this voice. That's Certainly, because they're smart. They're they're savvy. Every episode drops. Uh, I did on buy my tickets Monday. on Spider Monday, but it was unbeknownst to me. Uh, it's kind of like an <laughs> Avengers Endgame situation because there's not a lot of seats. Have you have you have you perused the availability, Steve? Honestly, uh, an, an entourage member bought my tickets for me, so I don't even know what the theater situation is. Oh, you going he, with a, a Phil? No, uh, my buddy Sam. Kyle? So I was going to keep guessing. I would have got to Sam eventually. Yeah. Hello, Sam. Yeah. Um, cool. Cool. No, I got five ten p.m. Dolby Digital tickets on third. I'm actually really excited about how early that Thursday I'm able to see it because I'll I'll be excited. I'll be able to make TikToks and do all the good stuff. <laughs> TikToks and uh, and I had to get like second row seats though, but because I have the recliner chairs nowadays, I don't feel like that's a big sacrifice. But we'll see. 
but also that day. So there's Spider-Man No Way Home, Witcher season two. And but also I realized recently uh, Guillermo del Toro's newest film, Nightmare Alley drops as well. And I'm, I'm a huge del Toro fan, a uh, huge of the bull fan, as they say. And uh, <laughs> that was the dumbest thing I've ever said. And that is saying something. Um, <laughs> so my plan is Thursday, five o'clock. I'm going to see uh, Spider-Man New Way Home, wake up the Friday morning when I should be working and just watch a bunch of The Witcher season two. And then at 4.40 p.m., technically also still supposed to be working, <laughs> going to see <laughs> Nightmare Alley. I hope and, no one uh, at your workplace listens to this show. <laughs> it's okay. We have so many listeners. I don't really even need to work. I'm doing it for their benefit. Oh, that's uh, true. Yeah. Is it true? <laughs> Is it? Uh, but anyway, thank you to all of our new listeners. We do stuff like this all the time. Uh, you can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash streaming things. The final episode, um, breaking down episodes seven and eight, the last two episodes of season one will be for patron members only. Uh, but just give this a listen and uh, see if you if it's your thing. You know, yeah. uh, might not be your thing, but we think it's going to be your thing. This episode, a lot of people like this thing. This episode is a little handicapped because I will address the elephant in the room. There is no Andy this episode. What he the is, hell is that elephant doing in here? <laughs> Greg, the elephant, get out of here. <laughs> there he goes. He left. Um, no, but Andy's not here. He's on vacation. We hope he has fun. So uh, this yeah. this edition of the Witcher coverage is going to be another one of those classic Chris and Steve mess arounds. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm classic but andy is here in spirit that fun little ditty the uh guitar interpretation of the classic toss a coin to your witcher song that you heard at the beginning there that was written and performed by andy in about 13 minutes yeah. so he's here in spirit uh we've watched the entirety of season one again and we're about to break it down for you there will be a lots of spoilers uh for all of the episodes that we cover and so if you have not seen The Witcher yet, we do urge you to leave this playing on your phone so that we get the statistic point for it. Right? <laughs> However, turn it down, perhaps. Mute it. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just technically, mute it or walk technically as long it. as they download it, we've got them. So, <laughs> yeah, if your phone's in a safe place, I'm still not sure how that works. Steve was trying to explain it to me. I recommend you just let it play and that way I'll feel better. Uh, but come back and listen to it a second time after you watch the episodes. Do it for uh, him. Today, we're going to be breaking down episodes four, five, and six of season one. Enjoy. And feel free to email us at streamingthingspod at gmail.com. Uh, if you're a fan of Stranger Things, go back to the days of your uh, Streaming Things origins, if you will, and check those out. We're still eagerly awaiting season four. In the meantime, every week we break down what we call random shit available to stream from your home that's what we call it every day we're like mm-hmm. hey, what's this random shit this week mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we almost called the show random shit uh but it just <laughs> it, was, it was taken so uh it's probably joe anyways. rogan's podcast right <laughs> yeah yeah i think so any hoozle let's dive right in so episode four is titled of banquets bastards and burials and i don't have a pop filter on this mic so i'm just going to try to be really easy on the bees there. It's a lot of alliteration, Steve. As an audio engineer, you have to be worried when you read that, aren't you? Well, Zoom's helping you out with that. It, it eliminated three <laughs> of the, the pops you just did. <laughs> Hopefully not all of them were. They're going to hear of Anklets, Astrids, and Uriels. And that'll, be, that'll be weird. That's not what it's called. 
Uh, more of this humor at uh, streamingthings.com. Uh, so the episode starts. It's with series. Streamingthings.com is not a website. By the way. <laughs> no, it's not. But I mean, <laughs> just direct people to things that don't exist. <laughs> Fuck them. Uh, no. <laughs> It probably is a website, to be fair, Steve. It's just not associated with us. <laughs> it'll take them God knows how long to find out. There's nothing to do with us. Uh, we should purchase that domain. Uh, so the episode starts off with Siri, where we saw her last being lured into the mysterious forest. Right. Uh, and she hears a voice calling her name. So there's some sort of magic drawing her in there. Dara's upset. He's shot with an arrow. He doesn't know what's going on. Hey, Siri, why are you going to the woods? If you recall, you don't survive well on your own in wooded lands perhaps you shouldn't his face says all that he doesn't well as as do the dead bodies littered all throughout the field that she's just walking past (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's a lot of skeletons perhaps other daras that uh, lost their wayward friends to this forest uh, and, and wanted to stop them that's all we can assume okay she sees a glow before her her trance fades and she's surrounded by female warriors, Amazonian-esque people that we later find out are dryads. Are you familiar with dryads in the in the lore of Earth, Steve? Like Earth, not the Witcher lore, but Earth itself. Yeah, just in the general real world? dryads. The uh, real dryads. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> I don't Me know the, the real dryads of uh, of Atlanta. I don't know them. I I, <laughs> I think they're like Greek. Uh, like like wood nymphs, perhaps. Anyhoozle, sounds it was Greek. worth bringing up, except that neither of us are experts on the matter. So I'll just let it drop. Um, the leader of the Amazonian-esque people uh, tells the others to watch her. Uh, she looks Siri up and down and is like, you know what? Kill her if she tries to escape. This is obviously uh, a little girl we can't trust. Oh, here we go, uh, which... Chris. Chris, here we go. Dryad, okay. also called mm-hmm. a hamadryad. In Greek mythology, that. is a nymph or nature spirit who lives in the trees and takes the form of a beautiful young woman. They were originally so the spirits words, of oak trees, but the name was later applied to all tree nymphs. In other words, I fucking nailed it. <laughs> you it did. A Greek tree nymph. Yeah. Wow. I mean, not to toot my own horn, but toot 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 toot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. There you go. You saw where I was going with that. Uh, so Ceres up there with the dryads, right? Uh, she doesn't know where Dara is. So you can tell that she was recently in a trance. A tall and commanding woman approaches and Siri introduces herself as Fiona, which she's been doing that. You know, that's how you know she's in uh, little liar mode, as yeah. I call it, because as we all know, that is not, in fact, her name. Yeah, no, she was, Fiona she was the just name kind of a small blonde doll in Rugrats that Cynthia carries around. That I don't know. I just assume that Siri was just really, really into the F- Fiona zeitgeist around that time mm-hmm. they're like oh the hippopotamus fiona is so cute i want to name myself after that cute hippo fiona true true but i choose to believe that rugrats was popular in poland <laughs> and uh and the author wanted to name her after the small doll that cynthia carries around and looks just like her he was so, like i, I want to name her angelica but that's a little too on the nose of a reference so ooh, oh my god you just blew my mind it is not Fiona. Angelica's the little girl. Cynthia's the doll. Oh, and it's I made Cynthia. All of that up. Oh, this is all a dream. Go back to sleep. Go back to sleep. <laughs> but Siri is going as Fiona, right? That is the name. It's not. She's not. Yes, she's that not is like, all true. Hi, I'm that is Cynthia. 
<laughs> you can wake <laughs> up now. Anyway, that's the only thing we get a Siri for now. We cut back to uh, Geralt's timeline uh, in a tavern. There's a man recounting a tale of how the Witcher was recently killed by a giant Selkimora, or as Steve would call it, Kikimora. Kikimora. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all the monsters in this universe are Kikimoras to Steve. Yes. But this is a Selkimor. Uh, and it's been terrorizing the village. Uh, yes, Gears nearby at a nearby table and uh, says that Geralt, Geralt isn't dead, in fact. But he, he's really Geralt. confident, but he doesn't actually know. And the guy's like, no, I saw the, the Selkimora swallow the Witcher whole. He's definitely dead. At this point, Geralt wanders into the bar covered in detritus. Would that be the best word for this? We don't Ooh, have that's a good word. It. That is a good word. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to call it uh, Selkimore detritus. Uh, basically, he exploded is the scientific term. The Selkimore from inside. He Moby dicked him. He Moby dicked him. Uh, or no, got, not, not Moby dicked. What's the uh, Pinocchio? The Geppetto. He Geppettoed him. They, they went into the whale's mouth. It, yeah, everybody. Uh, you, we've all seen a lot of aquatic death from inside references yeah. right <laughs> uh, jaws one of the terrible jaws. sequels there was a dead guy with a grenade in his mouth that they just unpinned and that's how they blew it up and i thought it was like a fire extinguisher not a but <laughs> it was like a, a flammable canister of some kind that they it, got him to eat it could have and been then they anything. shot it with a harpoon that was another one of the sequels was. that was another one of the sequels it's happened several so, times Geralt is essentially the flammable canister and the selkimore is jaws we're going to have a really long episode if we carry on like this, but this is kind of what we do. And we're so new listeners hang on tight. If we're muted, thank God. Right. You just, you're just watching the witcher having a great time while this is playing on mute. So that's cool. But anywho, so Geralt's alive. Yay. And then, uh, yes, gear jumps up, pops off freestyling with toss a coin to your witcher, which we can all assume is like, uh, a banger across the continent at this point. Oh, everybody, yeah. everybody jumps in. It's on, so he's it, basically, it's on case Kasem's top 10. You know, he's like, welcome back. We're going to play the classic coin, your Witcher. The number Toss one your Witcher is number one on everyone's Spotify wrapped playlist for this year. All the, the hip gals universe. and guys were at the club and they saw Gil Rivia stroll in and they <laughs> tossed him a coin. And what did he do? Well, he did what he does best. And he killed that Kikimura. Like, like Jaws. And he goes on to tell the whole anecdote we just told, but we don't want to revisit that. Uh, yeah. So basically, yes, gear at this point is the Doja cat of this universe. Um, and yes, gear tells Geralt, Hey, I made you famous. You owe me a, a favor. And Geralt disagrees, but essentially he ropes Geralt into coming to this party with him, this betrothal ceremony. And he wants Geralt to attend with him. If I recall as his bodyguard, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Because we learned something about Yeskir in this episode. Yeskir likes to, uh, how do I say this? That's not on some, in some way uncouth, Steve. He likes to bed married women of powerful lords. Is that, is that correct? He's an adulterer. Yeah, he's an adulterer. That's a very couth way of saying it. Uh, so, yeah, Yeskir's somewhat of a, hmm. Um, before we move, before we move on completely from this, apparently, did you know that the Selkimore is a made-up monster for the show Netflix? It's not from the Witcher books or games. Oh, really? Yeah, I thought that I didn't know that, and I was looking up trivia for this episode, and I, I found out that that apparently it like the the monster a Selkimore exists in some fashion in like folklore, but it's not something that's from the Witcher universe until this episode of this show. 
which I found interesting. That is very, it's weird that they would choose that. There's so many monsters that are in the lore they could mm-hmm. just choose from. But I also, I appreciate the audacity, the, yeah. the sheer gall. Well, they didn't, they didn't show it or anything. They just had a, a drunk guy like, no, I saw it. It was a big sea beast and it ate Geralt and like, it could have been nothing. <laughs> True. They didn't have to like work real hard at the character design, I guess. Right. Yeah. What if it was um, just, it just looked like the monster from, uh, bird box so it just looks so stupid they're like don't show it don't show it on screen (laughs) we're gonna pull a hitchcock with this one we have to uh but Geralt agrees uh somewhat reluctantly actually extremely reluctantly to attend this party with him and it's going to be the party of the lioness of centra we're talking queen calanth but what do you she's dead right that's confusing (laughs) right uh this is the episode where they really start hammering at home that we're on different timelines and you got to strap in. This is where you start putting it together. If you're a first time viewer, you oh, time is a construct, baby. They're not dead. Yeah. The time isn't real. It's just like real life. Uh, so this is, this may be part, my favorite episode so far of the series, just cause I, I love that they got some of the most interesting characters in like Calanth and uh, her little Royal court. Um, and then they brought, Jaskier and Geralt and kind of brought them all together in this big, big party. And yeah. this was so much. And it's fun because you get to see them, you know, in their natural state of like, these are the banquets and this is how they all act in the banquet. And this is how Geralt kind of, you know, reacts to that situation. But then also the, the episode gets really, really weird and bizarre by the end of it. And it's like adding all these new different elements to the lore of the show that become, you know, of great import as the s- season continues. But like, this is probably, I think, the the episode where I feel the season really kind of finds itself. And it's like, okay, we're moving forward. This this is our story and we're going with it. Yeah, I think you're right. It, because it's somewhat episodic and uh, like like a really expensive and entertaining. I don't want to say basic cable because that sounds like a pejorative, but it's, it's, it's like episodic adventures of the Witcher and the, the next monster somewhat on Geralt's timeline, right? We have like a, a normal prestige show with Yennefer and Siri, but in Geralt, it's just like, you know, a new monster each episode that he's going to conquer. Um, mm-hmm. But now he enters the chat essentially for the overall plot. <laughs> and actually everything hinges upon the events of this episode. You're right. And this episode was referred to I, bizarrely in episode one. They talk about this betrothal feast that's happened in the past. And it's, it's all, it's all so confusing, but it's really not. It's brilliantly done uh, by Lauren Hisrich, the showrunner. And I'm, I'm very impressed how they were able to weave in basically the origin of all these characters that we're going to be seeing in season two. Um, there's a, a little bit of a, com- a comedic beat because obviously Geralt's Witcher clothes are filthy with Selkimore detritus. And so he <laughs> sends them away to be cleaned uh, and dresses Geralt in a way that he is not fond, but convinces him he looks fine. And the first thing anybody does is comment upon Geralt's appearance, you know, uh, apparently Mousesack is an old friend of Geralt's. And hey, old Mousesack, <laughs> old Mousesack. It's been decades. And why do you dress like a cheap silk trader? And the, the look that Henry Cavill gives Yeskir is uh, is is comedy gold. Like you son of a bitch, you said I didn't look like a dork, <laughs> and now I look like a dork. It's the the white wolf, the the, the white dork. Um, got him. Got him. <laughs> got him. Uh, so, you know, he wants Geralt to blend in and keeps wandering around. Um, and so Malsack becomes 
somewhat of a, an exposition machine at this point, catches Geralt up on everything politically in Centra. Essentially, uh, Kalanth's daughter, Parvetta, is it Parvetta? Pavetta, yes. Yeah, Pavetta, not Par. Pavetta. Uh, so this is her betrothal feast. And, and so Parvetta is, is a cheese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so Pavetta is her betrothal feast. Calanthe's trying to, to entertain all the suitors that might marry her daughter and become future king of Centra. Uh, by the way, the current king of Centra died. So Calanthe has no uh, um, husband either. And she's um, turned down iced from Skellig's advances at least three times. We later know she must accept because we've already seen the future where they're married. And this is all good fun for all the viewers. Uh, but then Malsack cuts us in on the hot goss and lets us know that Iced's son, or is it nephew? I think it's his nephew. Yeah, it's, and, nephew. No, it, Something it's hard like to keep that. up on all the Young, younger Iced. <laughs> yeah, younger Iced is already the guaranteed one and all of this is just for show. Iced uh, But Yeah. <laughs> Nice tea. Good one, Stephen. Uh, you know, I like this scene, this whole set piece a lot. Just like you said, it's some, one of my favorite episodes uh, because we get the the young lion of Sentra, the lioness of Sentra, as she enters back from a battle and she's covered in blood and gore and she picks up some liquor and she's like, fuck yeah, or whatever she We're says. going right? to party. <laughs> I just, I love her character. Um, the actress does a phenomenal job, you know, just exuding the power uh, and it's funny to me because I've been thinking about it a lot since we've been doing this recap and deep dive. Like Sintra is really kind of terrible, even though it's somewhat the protagonist city, as it were. Yeah. Uh, like you love Queen Calanthe's character, but uh, she she doesn't stick to the the rules and laws of the land. Right. She doesn't truck with uh, the the law of surprise or destiny or anything everybody believes in. It's highly frowned upon. Yeah, she's pretty selfish. Action. Yeah, extremely selfish, causes a great deal of grief, understandably so, which is why I love this show. But mm -hmm. at the same time, you're kind of like, just just do it, you know, um, straight up tries to do some dirty shit later on to a really nice person. Um, what else does she do? Oh, they're extremely racist because we find out they slaughter elves all the time. and They can't stand them. Mm -hmm. and, you know, so it, it's like they're not good people, but, you know, we love them. <laughs> we love to watch them. We love to watch bastards on our TV screens, you know? <laughs> it, it, yeah, Sintra is kind of like succession uh, in medieval times, Yeah, essentially. They're all terrible people, but we love them. Um, by the way, Kieran Culkin would have been great in this show. If he could sing, he could have been Yes Gear. Damn it all to heck. But anyway, Queen Calanth arrives covered in gore. I love the look that you get to see Iced give her. Like, he's so amused and attracted to her murderous form and uh it's it's very endearing for some reason i absolutely love it uh pavetta is really upset she doesn't want to marry anybody but we've seen this story in dozens and dozens of different movies and books like the the royal princess or prince must marry not for love but for country it is the sad state of of someone born so high mm -hmm. oh it's sad uh Filthy rich and murderous of an entire race, but isn't it sad she doesn't get to have love? And it is. It is. I'm a sucker for that stuff. Uh, it's Crack on Crate from Skellig, by the way. That is the nephew's name. Crack and Crate. C crack, on, <laughs> crack on Crate? I swear to God that's what it says. It's Crack and Crate. Yeah, that's what, will... the, that's what the character list says. Yeah, Crack on Crate. Crack on Crate. Which just tells you he's a douchebag. I don't know how I know, but I know. 
I mean, I know because I saw him in this episode, but even if I didn't, if I just read this name, I would know. So then we cut back to the forest. Siri's being questioned because you can tell these ladies of the forest that we later find out are dryads. Don't let just anybody in. What we now know is called Brocolon Forest. What do you think of that name, Steve? Brocolon? Reminds me of broccoli. Not going to lie. Broccoli Forest. I want broccoli forest. Yeah. Indeed. Th- this this subplot of Brocolon Forest, I, I'm not super into. Um, it just doesn't, it just seems like the writers needed something for Siri to do while, you know, uh, while Yennefer or Geralt are doing more interesting things out in the world and getting their story fleshed out. They just were like, Siri's still here, audience. Don't forget about her. Um, she's just hanging out in the woods with uh, Amazonian people who are going to make her drink weird water. <laughs> I somewhat agree with you. Um, it is neat. I think it's somewhat fan service. So you know, we get the Brokilon Forest from the books and the games. Um, I don't remember if it's in the games, but uh, I assume it is. Um, but it's also, I think, a, a neat character moment for Siri because she kind of, even though she's lured out later in episode five that we'll get to, um, uh, she does make a choice, right, to destiny the whole theme of destiny had become starting with this episode is really fucking hammered into you right but yeah it somewhat gives her character a chance to choose her fate even though the destiny is the theme um she she does have the option to sit and be happy and beautiful with her buddy dara for i assume eternity or at least a long time dara doesn't seem like he's super into this either though he's just kind of like i'm here well we we do find out later well we'll get to that i think he kind of argues that we should have stayed in the forest um and he tells talks a lot about his dark past and how he'd rather forget it um but anyway we find out that the the leader of the the dryads is the queen of the dryads um and that there used to be a bunch of brocolons but now there's only brocolon and that's very sad so more genocide in the in the plot line the paragraph um, you just said to me was just fucking ridiculous <laughs> We got, the, doc- sense we got the queen of the dryads and then the dryads come here and the brokelons. There's a lot of dr- brokelon dryads and the brokelons and the dryads. <laughs> so they're cleaning Dara's wound that they shot. They shot him with an arrow, but they bring him in. They're cleaning his wound. And the queen explains that the waters of brokelon will not only heal wounds, which is a neat property, but they have to make a stranger drink it to prove if they have ill intent. So if anybody that comes in the forest drinks this water and means, I don't have a better way to say it than ill intent has bad plans. That just sounds like a dumb way of saying ill intent has bad plans. Uh, it'll kill them. So everybody got to drink the sauce when they come in. It's kind of like at a party where nobody's allowed to be sober. You know, <laughs> I've never been to one of those, but they probably exist. Right, Steve. Yeah. I think they're called uh, church lock-ins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're you're going to a party and they take your coat off and snort this blow, so we know you're not a cop. It's kind of like that. Uh, and broke a lot. This broke was Alon this was medieval's like ADT or <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but obviously, she doesn't trust series or Fiona at all, and as well she shouldn't, because as we all know, she's a little liar. Well, liar, liar, pants on fire. That girl. Yeah, her pants should be on fire. That's how often she is a liar. Dara knows. Uh, <laughs> but cut back to Crack and Crate. Uh, we all we're all excited to see what Crack. Tell and me more about to. Crack on Crate. Well, he gets into a fight with a young nobleman about Manticores because they're both full of shit. Uh, they both claim to have defeated Manticores, 
but they have different versions of what a manticore looks like. And so they each think the other one's lying. And we, this, as the audience know, they're both lying. What? Th- this is a situation where if this dialogue was pl- just plucked out of the show, because in the show, it's really, really fun. And like, ah, I am a, I'm more of a man because I killed the manticore. No, sir, you jest. Um, if you took that conversation, plucked it out of which and literally drop it into any other medium, it just become, it, it immediately just becomes comes dorks talking about a D&D campaign. I fucking love right. it. <laughs> right. No, my manticore skills are so high. Like the jocks. Yeah, but these, these are, are the, the cool dudes. jocks. Yeah. Yeah. It is, that's a, that is a funny tidbit that you've pointed out, Stephen. I like that anecdote you have told. And I, I leave it in the show. Oh, good. I, I, <laughs> I was worried I would have to cut <laughs> my anecdote. <laughs> too much coffee, but I like I like the mode I'm on. I would be allowed to party in Rokalon right now. You would be. That. Ooh, you, sir, don't have ill intent. <laughs> no, and you like to party. That's called a callback. Uh, Any hoozle, back to Crack and Crate. They're arguing over manticores. The camera kind of pans over uh, to Geralt sitting there. And it's this neat moment where we all realize, oh, my God, it just floods your brain all at once. He's a witcher. He fights monsters. He knows what a manticore looks like. He knows they're both lying. This is fun. And but also uh, Queen Calanth also notices that Geralt's kind of paying attention and assumes he does know. So he's called upon to kind of mediate this argument. But he he wisely chooses uh to what would you say he does just he's, he's to, playing the political game instead of like telling yeah. them that they're both full of shit he kind of plays their ego while not actually confirming or denying anything right he's like you know what perhaps there was a different mutation of manticore that each of you saw so he's, he's he allows them to save face and they're like thanks bro yes gear is very relieved that he didn't start shit uh, and what's funny about yes gear is he brought Geralt there to protect him because he slept with so many of the attendant lord's wives but also, I feel like he's there to sleep with some of their wives, right? Do you get that vibe? Oh, he's 100% on the on the prowl. <laughs> yes, he's like, to put, looking to put his loot somewhere, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Well, what, what's the way that the, the, the euphemism that the show uses? Uh, he stuffed his sausage in the wrong Lord's pantry or something like yeah. that. <laughs> so he's trying to stuff his sausage in more pantries for sure. And he's thinking, I'll just get Geralt to beat their ass if anybody causes any ruckus. And Geralt does save him at one point. This Lord doesn't look like he's beat their sausage. To... Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't look like he's going to be a much harm to ask gear. Like, I think I've seen you before. Let me see your asshole and see if I can feel like apparently that's what's going on. Right. He's like, I yeah. never saw your face, but I'll, I'll, I'll never I'll, forget that brown eye. I'll, that that, I'll, I'll ass, that yeah. starfish anywhere, uh, which is very strange. Yeah. <laughs> I got, I got, a fool. got an eye for asses like no one else. That on dude Earth. spread his cheeks as he was running away from me. And I got, <laughs> <laughs> I got a good look. I have gazed into the abyss. I was chasing him um, up an escalator. That's how I only saw his ass. <laughs> So this scene's funny because Geralt doesn't use his considerable physical physical prowess to save Yeskir at all. He actually uses cleverness that Yeskir should have been able to use on his own uh, and says, this man couldn't have slept with your wife. He was his genitals were destroyed by an ox as a youth, uh, which is funny. And the Lord then looks on him with pity and like tosses him a coin, as it were. Here, eunuch, buy yourself a drink. <laughs> And then Geralt says, you're here on uh, 
you're, you're, you're on your own from here on out. Right. So that's how he ends up saving him doing what he's there. But the plot reason that Geralt's there is to, uh, you know, start events that would carry out through the rest of the show. No big deal. No pressure. No big deal. Just Geralt being Geralt. Yeah. <laughs> Cut back to uh, Dara and Siri. They're hanging out in the forest, having a great time. Uh, she finally tells Dara that she's a princess. Um, hey, I'm not Fiona. I'm actually, or I'm actually, he, she, he knows her name's Siri, right? Uh, she's like, uh oh, guess what? It's yeah. short for Cirilla. And I know that I look like the princess of the town that you've been living in. Um, and I am. That's the big bomb about to drop on you. And Siri's actually short for Cirilla. And he's so, like, like you should bow to me. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what? Uh, it's, Dara is extremely upset because her grandma killed his entire family brutally, uh, which is pretty awkward. And Siri's not going to deny it. This is super awkward. I'm not going to lie. Some things were said. But it seems like, you know, Siri's like, it's not possible. Like, she doesn't believe her family capable of that. So she seems to be uh, just basking in her Centrin privilege uh, and just completely ignorant of the elf slaughtering that goes on in her family, which is uh, pretty upsetting and not woke at all. And uh, but Dar, Dar is like, no, I was literally there. OK, he's upset with himself because he has to hide and he didn't stand up to save his family, even though he's just a little boy. So you can kind of understand why he didn't do that. Uh, so he's thinking about, you know, maybe I was just sit here and, and chug broken on water every day before noon for the rest of my life. Glug, glug, uh, glug. Because they say, yeah, uh, broken on booze, uh, the broken on brew. There we go. Uh, and it was right on the tip of my tongue. Because it has other properties as well. We find out that, you know, you'll slowly forget all of who, all the bad things of who you were. And you'll just be like a happy little camper. And uh, Dara's tempted by that. Anyhow, so cut back to Calanthe. Uh, she's complaining about wearing the dress. She'd rather be wearing armor because they let her change and clean off some of the gourd for the party. I wonder how um, long it took for her to be forced to change. Because <laughs> there were several scenes with her in the armor like, I just killed a bunch of people. I had fun in the battle. And was there a point where an aide, I don't know what you call them in medieval times, like a PA or a personal assistant came over and like, I'm queen. Um, I believe it's always been personal assistant. Yeah. yeah. It's just fetch me my coffee, PA. <laughs> Well, I think, I think they're handmaidens. Ah, tell me. And they have a tail. Sorry. Uh, yes. But no, like when, when was the point where like uh, uh, the, the second course meal is being served, my lady, you should probably put on your 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 Sunday best. Yeah, perhaps you should rinse the brains, my lady. Bef- before you start eating, you don't want to get that in your soup. Yeah, this isn't the kind of party where literally dozens of people will shortly die. So I think it would be awkward if you weren't wearing a dress. Uh, and he was wrong about that. We'll soon find out. Uh, but Annie Hosel, she's telling Geralt because she calls Geralt up. She's like, sit by me, the big sexy man. And he's he's not. He's the <laughs> she tells Geralt she's glad he's there. Uh, but he says he's not there to be anyone's bodyguard. Uh, which is also not true because that's literally why he's there. Uh, <laughs> she tries to push the envelope and he, he's like, I can't be bought because he she wants him to like kill people and shit immediately because she's, again, a terrible person. Lord Peregrine of Nilfgaard approaches for his turn to propose to Pavetta. And this is a cool tidbit that you kind of have to be paying really close attention uh, and maybe have seen the show in full because we all know what Nilfgaard later becomes, like this terrible um, totalitarian power amongst the continent. But there's this 
origin story of how they were a couple decades ago, which is just this joke of a country that everybody laughed at. And he keeps trying to to propose to Pavetta and the guy next to him just like making fart noises and interrupting him the whole time. And to the point where and like Calanthe's like, that's funny. Fuck this guy. But eventually she's like, now nah, let him speak. If you say another word, I'll cut your balls off. And uh, it, it's it's interesting because you it paints an entire country out uh, like this is the villain origin story of an entire country kind of thing. It's just really yeah. interesting. I don't know. I, I liked it. Did you do you think it worked for you? What would happen? What would the, would the events of history in the show be different if uh, Calanth just had didn't, you know, drop this guy metaphorically drop this guy's pants and smack his bottom in front of all his friends? You know what I mean? Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, well, there's a lot of things. And like I said, in this episode, like there's a number of decisions that reverberate throughout the entirety of the show. And it's really and they're all kind of selfish and small. But that's kind of I like that. Uh, I like when when big events turn on character decisions. That's the mark of a good story. Um, so then now we cut back to Jennifer. We finally see what she's up to. She's she's recently remade herself. Uh, and we find out that it has been 30 years since she left Aratusa. And she's been serving uh, an Adirn, which she manufactured that position that she got everything that she manipulated to happen. And she's fucking miserable, which has been my experience in life. You don't know what's best for you. Right. <laughs> so don't stick your hand in it. Uh, she's riding around in a carriage with Queen Callus holding her new daughter. Uh, she complains. What a what an appropriate name for this woman. <laughs> Queen Callus, I know, right? Yeah. I didn't even catch that. Uh, and she's complaining, too. She's nothing more than a womb to the king. And there's like a Henry VIII situation going on here, basically, right? There's a Bo, there's a Bolin girl situation. Uh, she's had many children for her king, all girls. Um, and she's upset, like this is bullshit. Uh, so she hands Yennefer the baby, tries to entice Yennefer to stay and keep her company. But Yennefer says she ha- must return. Callus uh, takes the baby back, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, everybody's getting slaughtered outside the carriage. Right? Brutally. It's, it's gruesome. Brutally. Brutally. There, there's blood squirting through the tiny uh, peephole that I like how Yennefer keeps like sliding things back to look and see what's going on. And then just blood squirting her in the face. <laughs> nope, not that way. Not that way. Close that. What about this uh, window? Ah, right in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> Awful bloody out there, too. Ew. Um, uh, and they're all being they're all being brutally murdered by a giant like you remember the it, the, the big bug at the end of Men in Black? Uh, it's like a scaled down version of that giant bug that's running yeah. around stabby stabbing everybody. It doesn't look that menacing, really. I mean, I know it, it's all stabby stabby, but yeah, how powerful we later find Yennefer to be. This set piece is kind of bizarre. I mean, it works right now for the current knowledge you have of the way magic works. Mm -hmm. But for later, it's kind of like, I don't feel like she would have been as caught unawares as it let. Maybe she was just bored after 30 years of Mm -hmm. of bullshit. Right. Um, But it's like a giant cave cricket. And who is this guy? (laughs) Who? My guy. Who is this guy? This guy who befriends (laughs) big bugs and is like, you know what I'm going to do with my big bug friend? I'm going to be big bug friend and murder people i don't know who, like who's, who who are you dude whose bug is a guy who who do you work for no but really like i don't understand because my because i understand and this is something i'm confused about in general because there's there's like warlocks right there's sorcerers and then there's witches or sorceresses uh and they all come from bonnard and Eratusa, and they are all like actual political they're, they're politically planted in every court right 
Um, and obviously they can go rogue, but Mousak doesn't seem to be of Bernard or Izzy because he's working for Skellig and then decides to stay in Centra of his own volition. He shouldn't be allowed to do that if he was a sorcerer appointed to Skellig's government, right? Well, uh, I don't know. Who, Maybe he was he's he serves ice first. I don't could know. Could be. So that's that's explainable. Uh, but he's never like mentioned at Bernard or Aratusa, and I think that would be a neat thing to do mm-hmm. if he was from there. But who the fuck is this assassin? Where did he learn the sort of magic that he controls? Yeah, it's interesting that he has this big giant bug pal that goes around and slaughters all the soldiers, but also isn't he like uh, telepathically whipping knives at people? Like, does yeah, he, does and he... you do see like blades penetrate the carriage, so you can assume he knocked off a couple of the guards while the bug was doing its work. And after that just gets really lazy, it's just <laughs> women and a baby. Now <laughs> take them out, bug. They use the bug for babies. Go bug. Um, it's, it's actually a baby bug is the kind of monster that it's called. It's, it's complicated. You think this one's uh, so scary. We, you should see the, we, the bed bugs I have. <laughs> <laughs> so we get this really cool sequence where, Yennefer keeps teleporting Queen Callus and her baby and herself across these different, not planes of existence, but parts of the continent, like vastly different parts. Like we go to deserts and all kinds of places fleeing this assassin. But the assassin, we quickly find out, assumed by Yennefer, was sent by the king of Adirn to kill his own wife. And we can assume uh, the sorceress as well. Uh, and I love this show. It's one of my favorite of all time. I'm so excited for season two. This is one of the lazier, stupid parts of the show. And do you agree? Because think yeah. about it. If you're a king. You can't get a, a, a male heir. And this actually happened in history. Again, Henry VIII. He's king. What did Henry VIII do, if you recall, Steve? I don't recall. He openly fucking murdered his wife and got another one because he's king, right? This guy hires like this, I assume, extremely expensive to get magic telepathic bug boy to, to slaughter like that bug 12 eats members so much. of his you need own to, court. Huh? That bug eats so much. So you get it. That guy's got to pick get so much coin just to feed that thing, to train it. Yeah. I mean, the overhead on the the baby bug killer is just very high. But like he, he slaughters his prized sorceress or wants to and like 12 trained guards that just to, I don't know. It just seems unnecessary. seems like overwrought for what he wants done. He could just stab his own wife next to him in bed, perhaps, or slip a little poison in the oatmeal. I mean, there's so many easier ways than, you know what I mean? Well, the, <laughs> also the, the queen callous is also, I think one of the most one dimensional characters in the entire show to end to the point where it's kind of like, she sticks out like a sore thumb when you compare to the rest of the season. Because she's just like, my life sucks. My life's worse than yours. You <laughs> well, think, think you're so pretty? I hate you. <laughs> they're accentuating the disappointment that Yennefer feels in the, her chosen form of existence. Yeah. Um, but it's also obviously the baby's very on the nose for what later becomes a huge motivation for Yennefer's character. Uh, but it works. Uh, and I love the moment where, so she's running from area to area, portal to portal. We find out that the king has somehow put a magical tracking device on his wife, which I can only assume when he hired the assassin guy, the assassin guy's like, I'm going to need a tracking device because if she's going to be with her sorcerer, there's a lot of holes in this plan of yours, king. Uh, potentially teleport her frequently throughout the continent. I'm going to need to be able to track her to follow her. Okay. I know you don't understand any of this shit. 
Uh, how about a how about like a hairpiece or something? Yeah, she wear lots of those. Yeah, she loves them. All right, well that's yeah. gonna work then. As king, I might I have a little I have some things a critique of your plan, sir, assassin, <laughs> bugman. Um, perhaps you should have killed the sorceress first. Mm-hmm. Uh, the surprise attack that way instead of killing all the normies. Uh, and announcing yourself <laughs> and then kind of standing stoically 20 meters away while the bug just faffed about. Uh, but sure, here's a braid of her hair. You can tell you can track her wherever you want. Now, I, I don't tell you how to do your job. You don't have to tell me how to do mine. I'm king. That's king. I have some critiques. <laughs> I don't... King critiques. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe start with the sorceress. Mm. But where is the drama in that, sir? I'm but a humble king who likes efficiency and jobs to actually be done. But sure. I'm kill- but the humble king who wants a son. Don't paint me as the bad guy here. Will you be my uh, son? <laughs> Perhaps the bug. No, the oh, bug no, the bug be. died. Oh, no. Another oh, air uh, gone. Uh, that was the deal. Uh, but the end of all of this tomfoolery is quite funny, actually. And we, we get to see how ruthless Yennefer can be. So it characterizes her well. Because uh, Callus throughout this whole thing is, just, like you said, one-dimensional. Eventually, she's like... Just shitting on you. Know, clearly being saved. And she's actually a lot like the uh, the noblewoman of Sentra. That's one of the refugee camps that's oh, like yeah. beaten up her, her servant the whole time until he stabs her to death. Yeah. It's There's like a lot of this, uh, anti eat the, a lot of this eat the rich, uh, sentimentality in the Witcher, but she's basically like, just fucking kill him. You dumb bitch. You know, and just really <laughs> irresponsibly berating the person upon whom her survival depends. I, I love uh, it when after Yennefer literally teleports her to four different locations on opposite ends of the world, trying to get her away from the assassin. It's like, well, you're, you're so useless. Like, oh, what could you have done? <laughs> I'm Queen not going to pick nits here. I don't know magic, but it seems like you suck at it. Like it's like all Americans watching sports. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she's armchair at home. She's trash. armchair sorcering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's backseat sorcering. Uh, so Yennefer decides to teleport herself and the baby out of harm's way and leave her punk ass there. And I love that because there's this comedic beat where Queen Callus is like, oh, for fuck's sake. And like, you know, <laughs> instead of like being abhorred or playing the scene that way, they just, kind of make it a comedic beat mm-hmm. and i for one respect that well because yen initially leaves just by herself and then has a you know con uh come to jesus moment where she's like no i can't leave that kid and so she goes back and queen cow's like oh thank god you're back but she just takes the baby and leaves yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's like, you know what? Actually, I want this baby. You let me hold it for a second. And I realized that even though I was explained very explicitly that in order to have this beauty in this profession, I would never be able to bear children. And I didn't think about it at all as a bad idea. I now realize after a mere 30 years that that's all I desire in life. And so she grabs the baby and you can see that all of that red on her face. I think and you I think, can see that I feel some type of way about that plot motivation with Yennefer's character. I think Yen is just the epitome of a dog chasing a car is like she wants what she can't have. And when she finally gets it, she's like, I don't want this. And so I wonder if she ever has a baby, is it going to be the same thing? She wanted that beauty and she chased it and chased it and chased it. And she got it. 
I don't want this. Now she's now there's now she thinks she wants a baby. She's chasing and chasing and chasing for that baby. Will it make her happy? Time will tell. Probably not. Probably In not. fact, I have experience with babies, and that has been my experience, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> you chased after babies for years. And- yeah, like damn it, this baby sucks. Um, <laughs> no, I think that that's a very. I know you're being kind of funny, but I think that's actually a very accurate and mature reading on Yennefer's character and that she's um, the way that she's been forced to live her life. She's got this void inside her that she's constantly trying to fill. And it's very sad to watch and, and very powerful to watch. Uh, but we cut back to the betrothal feast. You know, yes, gears singing a, a body song. Um, Calanthe actually, I think this is the episode where yes, starts to play something and Calanthe's like, no bangers only at my party. And it's like, Oh, my bad. Uh, a jig. So he, he cuts into a jig. I won. I'll do. I won two, three, four. And then he busts it out. I love that part. Cause it's it literally he's like, all right, guys on four, three, two, one. It's the medieval equivalent of a banger, my friend. There's someone outside the medieval gates like this darn loot music is poisoning our youth. It goes too hard. I don't like it. We should listen to the, the, the music of my grandmother's era. I only listen to the wind music. Don't they know any these damn beetles? They're ruining everything. <laughs> um, people are going to be holding hands. So Queen Calanth and Geralt trade, you know, good natured barbs back and forth. And, you know, you really start to see the formation of because, um, you know, later on, you've already seen the future where she tells Siri, find Geralt of Rivia. So you're kind of curious how this relationship's building. Uh, and they have this, you know, almost sexual tension, but more like just I'm a creep and it's mutual respect between two adults. But because it's a man and a woman and I'm a child, I'm like, oh, oh, oh what's going on here? She saw the episode where he's in the bath already. Huh? <laughs> uh <laughs> Uh, and Calanth asks why there are so few witchers, which is actually interesting. So Garrett tells her it's no longer possible to create more witchers. Uh, if you played the video game, you're well aware of the the fall of Kaer Morin, but you might not be if you're just a fan of the show. So all witchers are made at a place called Kaer Morin. Uh, and they're actually like kind of tortured as children and put through these, these trials that few of them survive uh, and, and mutated by magicians, if I'm correct into witchers that sounds way lamer than it actually is like oh my child was mutated by a magician <laughs> a magician <laughs> i hired him for his party and now he's a witcher uh but no it's it's actually really cool uh but caramoran's gone so they're not making any more witchers so every time a witcher dies there's fewer in the world forever um Geralt asks why Calanthe continues to fight on the battlefield she's a queen she doesn't have to and she tells him there's a simplicity in killing quote-unquote monsters and there's the through line that we talked about last episode about what a monster really is brought back again and Iced tells Crack and Crate god damn it why Crack his name? and Crate <laughs> it's his turn to make his entreaty uh but then there's a commotion in the back and then Lord Urchian of Irinwald who asks for Pavetta hand, Pavetta's hand walks forward. And this is an interesting, quick, confusing thing. Shit gets weird real quick. Uh, you know, Calanthe's like, Aaron Wald's a little bitch town. What are you doing here? And you're insulting <laughs> me right now. She's already promised things for political reasons to crack and crate. Uh, and she's like, and plus you're wearing a fucking helmet. I can't even see your face. That's extremely disrespectful 
uh, and and Centrin respects at parties. Yeah. And uh, he's like, oh, I've taken an oath to not show my face until I'm wed or something, uh, which is a really weak excuse. And Ice's not falling for it at all. He walks up and goes, bullshit, and <laughs> knocks the helmet <laughs> off immediately. And then we find out he's like, uh, he's like a little rat badger boy. He's a little hedgehog man. Know. Yeah, he's a he- is it, yeah. It's more hedgehoggy. Yeah, because his uh, hair like is like the his quote unquote hair are like the quills of a hedgehog, he's like little quills. Yeah, and everybody's aghast, and, and everything goes out of hand immediately. Like I love how medieval the- people are like oh, something different. Kill it. <laughs> yeah, medieval people. Uh, Republicans. There's a lot of creatures that <laughs> a lot of creatures out there <laughs> react that way to things that are different. Uh, <laughs> but any who's uh, no. Yeah. Calanth immediately is like quick. Take away yeah. his right to vote. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was about states rights, kill it! <laughs> which is a really weird thing to say. Uh, and a, a huge fight ensues. And then uh, he defends himself is, is really what it is. Not a huge fight. And he says that, uh, due to the law of surprise, Pavetta is is like owed to him. And I'm stumbling now because not only is the law of surprise hard to explain and understand, it's actually quite strange that he... So I'll explain why it's strange in a second. So the law of surprise, basically he saved, he saved the life of the previous king of Centra who is now dead. So he didn't save it for long, but he did at one time. And oh, so was it was it like, the previous king? I always I thought it was iced. Uh, that makes more sense. Okay, You're yeah, right. yeah, it's the now dead sense. king. And so he said, uh, "What can I? I owe you. Whenever there's a life debt, you have to repay it, or your life sucks. Like because you always constantly owe somebody. That's the way that things operate in the continent in this universe. And so um, the the hedgehog boy uh, is like, well, I claim the law of surprise, which is actually like a polite thing to do because you're likely to get some bullshit nine times out of 10. So the law of surprise means whoever claims that is owed that which you have currently, but do not know. Right. Mm -hmm. So let's say, and this is where it gets dicey. So if you're out in war, you leave your home to go to battle and that is where so, and, and someone saves you. What it means is something that you gained while you're at war that's at your current place that you don't know of about until you make it back to the castle and say like, oh, we got dogs. <laughs> I, 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 that guy, I give right, him one of the dogs. It works really well if you've traveled to war, but the law of surprise has nothing to do with war. It's just. Well, yeah, yeah. That was just an example. It. That's where it gets unusual to me because it's like, how would this work in certain scenarios? But whatever. Right. But the whole point of the law of surprise is. For surprises, the king could have returned home and he, yeah, his dog had a puppy. So now the puppy is owed to the hedgehog boy or uh, he finds 20 bucks in the in his pants in the dryer. That happens all the time. Oh, shit. Oh, I got to give this a hedgehog boy. Uh, whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. But no, he comes home and finds that he now has a daughter named Pavetta. So he owes this daughter to the hedgehog boy. And here's where it's creepy. And no one seems to like feel that way. So by the law of surprise, Pavetta is owed to him. Yeah. But he marries her. He like falls in love with her. So he's clearly there's a huge age gap if he was able to save the life of her father in battle when she was not yet born. Right. Yeah. He's he's got to be at least 18, 15, 15, 20 years older than her, you know? Yeah. And so he's probably presumably 38, 36, 38. 
at her. Let's just hope she's 18 at this betrothal face. Let's just go with that. Uh, yeah, it just, you know, it's weird because like later the whole same thing happens to Geralt. And it's funny, but it's like he just wants to like their their destinies are entwined is what it means. And he wants to protect her like that's way less weird than the way. What's his name? Lord Urchin's doing right. Yeah, like, yeah it's mine because <laughs> so like, he's he met her on the sly before this. Because like, so yeah, he's been, that he, whole he, thing I don't understand. He's oh, by the cursed. way, the fact that he's cursed into looking like a hedgehog. Yeah, he he's been has cursed. nothing to do with the law of surprise. That's a separate issue. It's a whole separate thing. Yeah, <laughs> I just he, want to be clear about that. That's just the baggage he's bringing to the table. You know, I mean, yeah. this this marriage is off to a rocky start already. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I guess he, I guess there's like a period of time, like a very limited window where he looks normal. Yeah, it's like and Shrek. Yeah, uh, yeah. <gasps> this is, Princess Fiona. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is just Shrek. Uh, that really is Fiona in my memory this time. The, yeah, so uh, midnight he turns back into a human, and I presume until the sun rises. Yeah, and like in between that small period of time, he met her. Well, he was he was actually creeping on her before. Mm-hmm. He was just watching her. Like from I'm afar. gonna check on my surprise. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm, my surprise is good. He's like rubbing his hand, I, his little hedgehog hands together. Like mm, my ooh, surprise, su- looking good. Oh, surprise to me! Ooh, that uh, bun in the yeah. oven became a full loaf of bread. If you know what I'm saying. <laughs> oh my god! Damn <laughs> um, it! But you know, no. once he becomes like a normal looking dude, he he you know puts the the moves on her, and I guess she reciprocates she falls that. In love, mm-hmm. and then he turns into a hedgehog, and she's like, you know what? I don't care. Not the worst I, thing I, I've woken up next to. And he's like, you know what? I'm so glad to hear you say that because like technically you're mine. <laughs> I don't want to make it weird, but like, <laughs> you don't really have a whole lot of a choice. Or maybe we can take from this that the law of surprise and destiny intervened and she fell in love with him because of it. Right. Like she had no choice, mm-hmm. uh, which is not cool but but that's that, that's always the, the 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 push and pull like this is the, the form whole... that this law of surprise took well i mean that's that's saying. the whole story when it when it comes to things about destiny it's like is it a choice you make or are you beholden to your destined path because that is what destiny has said is your role you know Could, d- did she ever have a chance to not fall in love with him because destiny had kind of intervened in this law of surprise and beholden her to him you know what I'm saying? Did that make Who sense? Who knows? Yeah, we could drink Brocolon brew all night and talk about this, but we we really got to get going if we're mm-hmm. going to make it through episodes five and six, I guess. But that's a good point. Um, but eventually, uh, by the way, Calanthe's not having any of this. She don't like surprise. She's like, God, I don't even like my husband anyway. She Fuck hates destiny. hedgehogs. And I love how at this point, uh, iced and, and Geralt's ears perk up. They're like, law of surprise. And they both draw steel and they start together slaughtering the party full of people to defend this hedgehog because the law of surprise, goddammit, will not be argued with. And so iced is like, look, I know I'm in love with the queen. I know that my, my realm is, is staunch allies with these countrymen, but I have to kill them all. I'm a man of honor. Of this. Yeah. I have to defend defend this honorary th- thing contrivance. Whereas Geralt's more you, defending him just because it's the right thing to do. Like, you just don't kill the poor hedgehog man for existing. Sure, but he also highly respects the law of surprise, not because he, he believes in destiny. 
Yeah, because there's this actually. I oh, cry that's true. Because he because he believes in oaths and keeping your word. Yeah. yeah okay. He's that's like, true. I don't give yeah. a shit about destiny. Destiny can suck my witchy balls, <laughs> but I believe a man should keep his word. So you killed seventeen people because you believe that yeah, you fuck do what you say you're gonna do. Yes. Fuck them. Fuck them. Uh, <laughs> I, I love that there's there's a guy in the back and can almost hear. He doesn't say this and there is no guy, but I can imagine there's a guy in the my back, guy, <laughs> my guy that's really wondering. Um, I like the law of surprise and all, but how do we know that the hedgehog really did that? Did the king leave like a will or something that could clear yeah, all this? I mean, we just. You guys are killing lots of people based on the fact that he said he claimed law of surprise. I don't really feel like there's any proof. I mean, who am I? I'm just also I'm just the magistrate. Also, he studied law for 20 years. Also, he said that he's a man who's been cursed to look like a hedgehog. Maybe he's just actually a hedgehog who's been cursed to look <laughs> like a man. We don't know this guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's there's so many holes <laughs> but anyway nobody listens to him Dude, is there a notary for a, a law surprise claim yeah i mean what is the, the <laughs> legal boundaries of this thing right but it doesn't matter iced and, and gary and there's it's a cool scene killing lots of people calanthe's like stop damn it you're ruining my party i changed into my dress he's gonna be fighting i wouldn't have done that uh which is how she talks when she gets upset because like the, the elvish racism lends that <laughs> accent to her it does it does uh but cut back to callus pleading with the assassin and uh she's like look i'll have a boy she offers to kill her her daughter as a sacrifice which just helps dick you move. not feel sorry for her at all real dick move which is I mean, you know, just kill my baby. <laughs> I mean, some damn, would, no motherly instinct whatsoever. Some would say it's callous. Mm-hmm. That is uh, something you could label her as. Callous is <laughs> potentially considered callous. Uh, so the assassin throws a knife, slits her throat, uh, and releases the, the beast to kill the baby. But Jennifer has returned, grabs the baby, kills the beast, and opens another portal. She escapes to a beach, but as the portal is closing, the knife is thrown telepathically into her back. And I hate to say this, but we have to explain what happens in the episode. I think the knife goes through her body enough to, to stab the baby. The baby? Yeah. Is that what happens? That's what that was my interpretation of it. Yeah, that is awful stuff. Isn't yeah. that how like Dobby dies? Uh, Dobby does get straight stabbed through a portal that's closing. Yes. Yeah. Quick aside. Yeah. Uh, sorry to spoil uh, Harry Potter for you. Yeah, but, my bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I actually I ruined. Uh, I, I was watching whatever movie Dobby dies in, whichever Harry Potter. I was watching that in the theater with a crowd of coworkers because we were screening it before it actually like went live to the public. So it was just like 20 or 30 of us coworkers that were like watching it together. And all of them are super into Harry Potter movies. And I liked, I liked Harry Potter, whatever. Not books, I guess. Uh, I, I had read all the books except for the last one. So I didn't know what was going on in this two parter, you know, but like Mm -hmm. I had a common joke with my friend with, with uh, Sam at the time. 
and it was always like, Dobby, you suck. Go kill yourself. Like that. Like we would always just say that to Dobby whenever he was on screen. So when that knife goes through the portal and hit Dobby, I started laughing my ass off, which is not the emotion that was in the room. <laughs> no, you did not read the room at all. Oh, I felt really, I, I got dagger stares both thrown at me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Cause I yeah, was is, just beside myself with laughter. Still- like when we were watching this episode of the witcher obviously it's terrible anyway but she she literally said like dobby and broke into <laughs> tear like her voice broke like she can think of dobby dying at any time and break into tears uh so yeah you're 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 basically the queen callus of the harry potter viewing party that's true yeah yeah Oh, but your dog uh, is also named Dobby too, so it's like a double. Yeah, it's a double mm-hmm. emotional pull. Yeah, we don't like to talk about what happened to Dobby. We just talk about the socks and stuff mostly when we're talking to the dog. Just don't uh, <laughs> don't, don't take that dog anywhere near portals. All right, don't go portaling with Dobby. All right. No, uh, if the metaverse goes where we think it's going to go, Dobby, stay away. Oh, he heard. Near he, my dogs. He heard. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so we cut back to Pavetta. She embraces Lord Urchin, calls him Dooney, which is, I assume, a pet name because he's a hedgehog. <laughs> and the mom, you know, Queen Calanth is stunned. Like, what's going on? She's she's in love with the hedgehog boy. Uh, and, and Urchin surrenders to Calanth. He, he, he tells him he was cursed as a child. But one day he saved, you know, this is where he says the, the backstory of the law of surprise. Right. Um, and Calanth actually reveals she knew of uh, King Regner's stupid bargain. Uh, but Ice defends Dooney. Geralt defends Dooney. They have like a political debate about it. And that's where we talked about that. But eventually, you know, fast forward, even Malsack's like, you can't fucking, you can't, you can't mess do with it. Law of surprise. I'm letting you know. You can't and mess with destiny. Here, are we to understand that Kalanth's refusal to honor not one, but two law of surprises is what causes the demise of Sentra? That seems that to be the, the way case. That you yeah. read this show. Like the, if she the, had let later, I know I'm jumping ahead, but if she lets Geralt do his thing, Sentra does not get slaughtered to a man. I mean, that's what that's they're what heavily I was implying. Picking up on yeah. This watch. yeah, that's crazy. What a selfish motherfucker! Damn, Queen Calanthe. Calanthe does not learn her lessons. Mm-mm-mm, she does not. It's actually quite frustrating. <clears throat> but uh, what's terrible? I alluded to it earlier. Kalanth, and I'm skipping ahead here on my notes, but basically, I just can't help it. She basically is like, all right. I guess. Get it. It's fine. And then tries to get all stabby. Tries to kill this poor hedgehog. Yeah, she's just literally going to like, never mind, stab. Which is really crazy to me. Uh, Doesn't she like... like like go to whisper into his ear and you think it's going to be some like, okay, I, you can do this, but it's, she just whispers, here's your surprise. And goes to stab yes. <laughs> I got a surprise for you. Stab prison rules, but- bitch. I got a shank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She had like the toothbrush shank. Um, and here's where we find out that Pavetta has powers similar to her future daughter, Siri. Uh, and she screams and upsetness. I don't know the word for that. Upset anguish. <laughs> anguish. There we go. Upsetness. <laughs> and she creates what can only be described as a party tornado uh, around her and Dooney. I think that's the only way to describe it, Steve. Don't look at me like that. And there's this weird sequence where like everybody's thrown back. Tables are thrown back. Keeps it from being stabbed. Everything's a whirly whirling. And Geralt's like trying to trudge through the party tornado. 
because uh, he's like, all right, I'm with you. I'm on your side. But this has got to stop. No I, party tornadoes draw, on my watch. I draw the line at property damage. exactly exactly uh and then he can't quite make it through the party tornado so he drinks some of his witcher juice which is akin to brocolon brew but with different properties uh and that makes him stronger and he makes it through the party tornado and he uses the aired sign and stops it uh and that's the party tornado done okay so then she finally relents and and this is how the marriage of Iced and Calanthe was born, because he's like, all right, if she's going to marry the hedgehog, we still need to unite Skellig and Sentra. So I'm just going to marry Iced, which was honestly, if I'm being honest, she says it to the crowd. She looks around. She's like, look, if I'm being real, this was the obvious solution to begin with. I was just being stubborn. You know, <laughs> if she was Ted Lasso, she'd be like, I was just being stubborn. That's all me. I'm, I'm sorry. It's uh, I'm stubborn as a mule. They just call me the mule of Sentra. That, gosh, dang it. Uh, <laughs> I love Queen Calantha as Ted Lasso, and I want to do the whole show as that instead. From, from here, on, from here on out, she is Ted Lasso. I'm just a mule of Sentra. Um, <laughs> so I'm just a wigwam and a teepee. I'm two tents. Yeah, man. And so how it ends is basically uh, everything's all hunky dory. And once they're finally, they immediately get married. So they, they, it's not just a betrothal. Like they, it just skips to a wedding immediately. Uh, and for some reason, upon wedding Pavetta, the curse is lifted, even though the curse has nothing to do with the law of surprise. So that doesn't actually make any sense well, whatsoever, they, but I'm, I'm for it. They never really kind of state what the rules are from this curse. Did they even say why he's cursed? No, I, I just assumed that it was something irrelevant to the law of surprise. And he was like. Well, there, had a helmet on when he saved King Rogner. There's a lot of classical fairy tale elements to this episode. Uh, and maybe yes. that's just because like in most classic fairy tales, it's like you are you like Beauty and the Beast. You're cursed to look like a monster until you find true love and get wed. Dooney's whole plot line is basically Shrek. <laughs> yeah. He's just trying to get right. people not to go into his swamp. That's all he wants. Except he doesn't stay as a hedgehog married to a hedgehog, which is the way Shrek went with it. Uh, <laughs> uh, that actually is exactly what's going on. So anyway, he turns back into his human form and everybody, because they're all racist. It's like, oh, thank God. It's actually a white dude. Oh, actually, we're happy to be. Oh, man. <laughs> what if he was talked about this wedding now? So glad he's not one of them butt fucking elves. Ooh. <laughs> That would have been awkward, right? If he turned into an elf after that, from the go back to the hedgehog. Um, and so then Geralt's like, Whoo, this party sucked. I knew it would. He starts to head out. Dooney's like, Hey, wait, you saved my life. And Geralt's like, Don't worry about it. I do it all the time. I'm pretty badass. And Dooney's like, No, I can't live my whole life. I can't start my new life with my wife in a life debt. You must take payment. And Geralt, trying to be funny and like shruggish, not reading the room. Yeah, at all. He's like, I've picked the lost prize since that you did it. Yeah. And then now he's Ted Lasso. I'll just do the surprise thing that you did. And <laughs> I'm not looking for much. <laughs> and Queen Calanthe immediately I don't know. She just has some kind of grandmotherly sense that her daughter is pregnant or something, right? I don't know why I said grandmother and then said daughter. Just fucking let it go. And <laughs> she doesn't look like a grandmother. <laughs> Witcher, what have you done? And uh, even though she doesn't know that Pavetta's pregnant. And at that moment, 
Pavetta has uh, uh, vomits just on the ground. Vomits violently. <laughs> just morning sickness all of a sudden, right? And, and morning <laughs> sickness at what like, is easily 11 p.m. at night. Yes. And But Geralt's reaction is funny. He's just, fuck. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to come back in 20 years and marry this girl, which is super awkward, I guess, because I'm like 100. So this is super weird. Uh, it's like a Hefner situation. Um, <laughs> so that's that's where it all started right there. The law of surprise. So now Siri, future Siri, her life is tied to Geralt of Rivia. Um, and the whole thing is set in motion. So then the Nilfgaard army ransacks Sentra. We cut back to a different viewpoint of the events that we already know happened. Uh, Calanthe's bodies found by one of the mages led by Fringilla. Fringilla's bitch ass really disappointed in her. She's, you know, she had the whole hand thing. She was likable. She you know, thought she might learn something from it. That's what happens when, uh, when really, really kind, but malleable people, uh, end up, uh, hanging out with a bunch of religious zealots are exposed to the white flame. We'll say that white flame. And then we get to see this like creepy Fringilla mage. Like, I guess she's trained a bunch of creepy magic guys. Cause he like cuts a piece of skin off of Clant's dead body, chews on it for a second. And then he dies and Fringilla tears all of his organs out, which is like a really mm-hmm. complicated spell. It seems. Well, uh, that that's actually <laughs> based in uh, some type of real um, quote unquote, real witchcraft where you would, gut something and then the way the entrails fall out were some t- it was like palm reading but like with entrails yeah. yeah i know that i've seen a lot of movies that do it with like animals mm-hmm. uh, yeah. so i guess it's just a neat thing today like what if we did that to a human um what, what would happen if she did that and his gut spilled out she's like hmm uh it's loading she's like gross uh <laughs> cut another one open <laughs> <laughs> she just stares at it and goes why do we do this suffering <laughs> Why do we do Why this? We do this? <laughs> this is super gross. Anyway, now I can, I can divine she's in Brokolon, completely unrelated to this thing that we do always before I use my telepathy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but from, I guess, the genetic relation of Calanthe, they're able to divine from his organs that she's in Brokolon Forest. They all know what Brokolon Forest is, apparently, because one dumbass is like, I can take 12,000 men and, and burn down all them trees. And the and Kahir's like that's dumb as shit. Can't do that to Brokolon. Uh, and then he's coming up with his own idea. So they drag Mousesack off by a chain, and uh, and that's the end of that, right? And yep. we cut back to one last time in Siri in Brokolon Forest. The Dryad Queen cuts into a tree. Uh, it's really funny actually because like the the Brokolon brew is not strong enough for siri for some reason and the queen's like ah shit it's been cut too much it's been stomped on too much you need that pure brocolon brew from the source so they cut into a tree and get the straight brocolon brew molasses and uh siri gets a little bit of the mythical water and uh awakens in the desert at night and here's the tree shani kayan i don't know how to pronounce that i'm not gonna lie i just said it real confidently how to sound Shankayan? I don't know. Shankayan? Shankayan. She hears a tree call to her. (laughs) Yeah, anyway, it's like, Siri. She's like, tree? And that's the end of that, all right? That's the end of that right there. And that brings us to episode five. And I know we're being really thorough, but that's just because we're really thorough here at Streaming Things. And if you're new and you're wondering when I'm going to lose this Ted Lasso accent, it could be random. It could never happen. Before we do so move on, just, though, what were your overall thoughts on that episode? Good, bad, ugly? 
there's not a, a there's not a bad episode in this in this show. I don't I absolutely adore it. Again, it's it's literally crafted for literally meaning they made it for me. They were like, dear Chris, here is a show. Thank you for being you. Uh, I mean, everything about it is exactly my jam. So I'm just genetically geared to like if someone were to eat a piece of my skin after I died and cut out the organs of the guy who ate my skin and look at them, those organs would just play season one of The Witcher. Does that make sense? <laughs> they, 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 he eats the skin. I, uh-huh. I cut into him and then just mm-hmm. like Blu-rays of season one of The Witcher falls out <laughs> of your gut. Yes. Like, ah. if, you wanted to, if you wanted to rewind it, you would just like shuffle the guts to the left. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Gut shuffle. Gross. Uh, not truffle shovel. That's different. It's inappropriate. Uh, no, I, I, I think this episode, I think the whole law of surprise thing is um, like Eastern European maybe makes more sense, but I'm not sure if it would or would not. But just from our our lore and our, our historical history and all that stuff, it's, you know, it's, it's very complicated to me, but I'm like, sure. Uh, so this isn't one of my like, this is one of my favorite episodes, but that that whole thing makes it not the top. Um, but yeah, I had a great time. I think it's, I think it's highly entertaining. What about you? I'm in the same boat. Like there is a lot of insanity, like that doesn't really make sense, but the episode itself is probably the most fun Witcher episode. I'd say there's just a lot of fun to be had. And like, there's really cool character moments and, uh, yeah, they hammer home the, the destiny thing and the law surprise thing is kind of interesting. And there's a hedgehog man, but also that's also part of the reason why I love it. There's a hedgehog man. What? Okay, yeah. cool. It's just like, <laughs> fuck it. We're going all the way in. There's a hedgehog man and a law of surprise. Um, and we're starting to hint that we've been fiddling with the timelines the whole time. Uh, so <laughs> this is getting all timey wimey. Oh, now you're confused, ooh, ain't ooh. you? <laughs> What's these characters going back? Uh, but that brings us to episode five. I'm going to try to go a little faster. I think we've been talking for an hour and a half accidentally already, but we just love the damn show. What can I say? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of looking in fear at the time ticker here. Like, I think this episode might be. Yeah, we're at like an hour over. 20 right now. Yeah, I made a big boo-boo. Um, so let's cut each of these in half and we can make a two-hour episode. Who knows? Well, to be fair, the next couple episodes are good, but I feel like there's less story substantialness to them. Maybe in this episode, specifically with Jennifer, Jennifer and uh, Geralt and their relationship. Yeah, true. But, but I think you can uh, so speed through a lot of the other stuff. So this is episode five. It's titled Bottled Appetites. Um, and I did little things to remember which one was which, even though I took extensive notes. And in this one, of course, it's the one where Geralt meets Yennefer is the way that I uh, shortened it. And uh, in parentheses, it said the sexy one. And <laughs> so I'm like, oh, OK, I've got uh, it. so I've got it. <laughs> so at the beginning of this episode, just real short, you know, the plot of this is uh, the plan that Kahir alluded to at the end of the last episode. So it opens up with this new creature that we get introduced to the Doppler. Uh, and he's got all these jars and filled with viscous liquid and different body parts. And so we ascertain pretty quickly, uh, oh, he uses, at least that's what I took from it, that he seems to like collect these human features so he can mismatch them and form like his own unique personage. So I don't know if you took this from it, but that's what I got is that the, his current form is like no one that currently exists on Earth. It's just like the perfect version of a bunch of different shit that he found and cut off of people. Is that the way you got from it? Oh, I, th- I thought he just found someone he thought looked totes hot 
and just took that form. Well, it looked like, cause he like looks at the nose in the jar or something and maybe I'm misremembering and then like slightly alters his face, um, which is a good way to introduce us to the, that he has that ability. Um, but also made me think that he like took his time and really crafted a skin he lacked. You might be right. This character is incredibly creepy. Um, yeah, this is the Buffalo Bob of the continent, right? (laughs) I'd fuck me. Uh. Because they make a point to say like most Dopplers use their gift of being able to shape shift to kind of fit in and not really stand out and kind of keep to themselves. They don't like kind of rustling feathers, but this guy. Most of them are benevolent. Yeah. Yeah. But this guy, there's, he's, there's definitely an evil to this character. Um, and he, he, I love how he refers to himself as we, he th- refers to himself in the third person. So like, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And bruh. this is, uh, like the quintessential thing that I love about the Witcher is that they could have easily took the, the easy road out and said that, Oh, Dopplers are just evil creatures. Right. But the Witcher at, at no point wants to acknowledge that everything is simple or black and white. Like the, the monsters are monsters. Like Geralt's explicit throughout, you know, a lot of these things are just hungry, you know, it's all that it is. Um, and the same is true of Dopplers. Like they're not evil creatures. This they're a sentient creature. And this is a sociopathic version of one, which mm-hmm. I love. They took that extra effort, right? Um, so essentially, Kahir is hiring a Doppler to look like Mouse Sack, get into the Brokilon Forest. Apparently, they didn't make him drink the water. They would have known immediately that he had <laughs> ill intent. Uh, so yeah. I don't know why the fuck that was ever introduced at all, because no. the one person that would have mattered for, they just decided not to do it. Like, oh, yeah, I mean, you look cool. Oh, Mouse Sack? Uh, <laughs> Never mind. It's it's mouse guys. It's mouse sack. The guy who definitely what? loves his name and that we call him that. What could go wrong? Let him through. Um. Mouse sack, you son of a bitch. Get in here. <laughs> <laughs> and I, 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 this is another like scene that doesn't work for me at all. Um, like I, I like that Kahir flashes the silver. And Doppler gets afraid and we already know that silver kills monsters. So that's a neat little, like, are you picking up what's going on down, down here? Um, everything's cool. I like the whole plan that Kahir has. What doesn't work for me is, you know, they bring out mouse sack. He's dragged out of the cell. Uh, he has a cell made of uh, Demiritum, which is apparently like a, a chemical that blocks magic. Right. So he's been riding in that and makes him sick. He pukes all of that stuff. Right. That's all cool. But then for some reason to hear like they do this horror scene that just doesn't work. It's not scary. It's oh, is it the, the run thing. Yeah. He's yeah. like, run, run, bitch. He likes to catch people and he only makes it like 12 feet. Yeah. <laughs> he makes the, it guy, to the other he side of the courtyard doesn't even get out of the gate. Yeah. He's just like jumps on him immediately. And is like, Ooh, that was fun. And mouse like, like, I disagree. I didn't get very far. I'm sick. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Um, so whatever. I just think that was goofy. It would have worked much better if he had just stabbed him immediately yeah, if he, right If he there. literally just walked up, yeah, and did the stabbing, like, and yeah, you're right. The whole, like, go run and let me hunt you thing does not work because that's, it feels like something the writer wrote, whoever wrote the script for this episode, wrote it and, the, and had this yeah. really cool idea. And then the director on set was like, well, we got a day. Um, <laughs> right. Well, what if he just ran over there? Can we light that section of the corner courtyard? Oh, okay. Just run to that. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> we'll fix and it in post. from the, the, the Damaridium or whatever. And so maybe he doesn't get very far. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like they're just sometimes, I can see that. Yeah. Sometimes a, a show like a television show on Netflix will kind of betray its story by revealing its budget. And this is one of those instances where the budget of the show is revealed without necessarily with like bad CGI or anything. This is just like budgeted filmmaking, you know? Right. Yep. So he stabs mouth sack and there's a little bit of exposition there that we need. We find out that uh, right before he stabs him, that he's taking the form of mouth sack, but also his powers afford him all of mouth sack's uh, memories and thoughts as well. Right. Which is important because otherwise it would be a lot less useful as a Doppler, a doppelganger. Um, so, yeah, now we know what's going to happen. Eventually, Mouse is going to wander into Brokilon and Siri is going to be in danger. And I'm on the edge of my seat. Um, so we cut back to Yennefer. She is, uh, you know, destroyed by the baby dying on her watch. And uh, her whole dream of being uh, a court sorceress has been destroyed. So now she's kind of just wandering the continent, trying to forge her own life. Uh, and trying to undergo, you know, hunt down different forms of magic that might cure her infertility. Uh, and so the, she's a man's counting Jennifer's coins and she's been going, undergoing his treatments, but they haven't, uh, his rates are increasing and it's not working. And so she decides to set up her own business. And so she posts a sign that says correctives quite effective, whatever your objective, which is uh, a, a sick rhyme. Again, marketing comes very easy to Jennifer. Um, there's a long line of chattering customers very quickly and dude can't get a boner is what we quickly find out is his problem. <laughs> She's like, Hey, don't worry. Happens all the time. I got something that's going to fix it immediately. And I mean, immediately you're going to immediately pitch a tent. So you're going to want to head on out of here. This couple is kind uh, of adorable too. <laughs> yeah. They're they're They seem wholesome. This is like uh, the most the wholesome duo in the entire continent is this couple who can't you know, get a boner. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm very sexually attracted to her. Just won't work. Uh, and so there's this funny moment where like the mayor and his muscle come in to kind of press down on Yennefer. Uh, and the dude's trying to leave and he's currently got his newly acquired <laughs> he's just, boner. He's just so. there fully erect. <laughs> like, I, there's a, there's a scene, up? I think when the, the mayor sits down or I, something, it's a low shot of another character, but in the background, you see the poor guy shuffling away, but it's like full mass pointed straight yeah. away. It's, oh my God. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> Very well done. I love that. Um, and so the mayor is basically trying to squeeze her like, Hey, you doing magic shit in here, giving people boners and stuff. You need to cut me on 30%. Uh, and Yennefer's like, Okay. Uh, and the mayor's name is Bo Barant, by the way. And uh, so no crack kinda, on crate, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> she kind of just agrees, but you know that it's not that simple and that he's in for a rough time as it cuts away. Uh, back in Brokilon, uh, the, the general's arguing with the queen that, hey, I really don't like this Siri chick. I feel like she's a liar, liar, pants on fire. And <laughs> Which she is. Yeah, which she is. She I think is. they know her name's Siri by this point because of the tree. Um, for some reason, the queen's defensive of it. Like, hey, she was scared. That's why she lied to us. And, you know, even though her name's not Fiona, we can grow to love this new. Who are we going to trust, person. Siri or a tree? <laughs> uh, and then they're interrupted by a scout who brings them the heads of two Nilfgaard soldiers. So even though uh, Kahir was smart enough not to send an army in, he still wanted to try scouting it. Uh, which did not work for the poor Nilfgaardian soldiers. Um, so the queen thinks maybe Ciri's here to help us for the doom that's certainly coming uh, instead of assuming the obvious, which is that they're only in there because of Ciri, which is a little strange, but I'll, I'll buy it. 
And she tells Siri, destiny is a two-edged sword. You can make a choice, stay or go, but it's time for her to decide. All right. So again, destiny is brought up again, but also a little bit of agency is gifted because of this Brokolon plot line to Siri, which I like. Uh, yes, Gears sings dejectedly as he wanders by a remote forest pond and encounters Geralt. And this is where the whole Jin storyline pops off. And it's a, it's actually a really endearing plot line, wouldn't you say? I like it. Where oh yeah, yes, Gears because yes, Gears kind of like this hapless. Um, I don't know how to I don't know how to put it. I mean, you know, he likes having sex a lot. He likes singing. He's a goodish person, uh, but he doesn't seem a sex to be very. Pest. He doesn't have much depth, right? Mm. Uh, doesn't you can't really hurt his feelings. It seems like either he's a rascal. In this, in this episode, you find out you can, right? Uh, so, and the the Witcher's like depressed. He's fishing through the pond, uh, looking for a jinn, which is the the genie legend of of, of yore. Uh, and I love that the idea is he could wish for anything to be lord of all the world, to not be a witcher anymore, and he only wants to use it to go to sleep because he's been unable to sleep, yeah. right? And like that's that's the whole thing, and that just characterizes him so much now so it, should be, fishing. it should be said that this is supposedly a many many years since the last time Eskir and Geralt have seen each other right like they've gone their separate ways because Geralt's not particularly thrilled to see Eskir and yeah, it's been like, like a, I, I, I took that it's been about a decade yeah um, because it was 30 years for Yennefer last time I think it's another decade since the law of surprise thing so we're, we're approaching present day pretty quickly at this point mm-hmm. um, I think I my my estimation is that there's like there's another six seven years or something maybe that goes by or maybe it's been like five years and there's another six seven i don't know how old siri's supposed to be honestly if it's 12 or if it's 15 right um and and that 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 everything hinges on that but anyway he's fishing for a gin him and yes gear get into it because he's being really grumpy pants and he tells yes gear he's a shitty singer uh yes gear finds the the or he finds the gin bottle yes gear pulls it uh, while Geralt's holding the lid to it. So it pops out. Yes, Gear thinks, oh shit, this is my Jin now. So he starts making stupid wishes. And before he can get to the third one, yes, Gear, uh, the Witcher says, just give me peace. And uh, yes, Gear's throat begins to swell. Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, you are. Yeah. Yeah. So his voice gets throttled out immediately. He falls over and Geralt's like, oh shit. And he has to race to save him. So he takes him to, uh, what was his name? Chiridan, I think. Um, so he goes to like a nearby campsite and there's a mage healer there named Chiridan and he's an elf. Um, and he's never seen a Jin before and that's amazing and all that. And Geralt's like, okay, if you can't heal him, there has to be a town nearby. And he's like, yeah, there is it's Rind. And, and long story short, there is a mage there. Uh, but she's, you know, but that mage isn't going to help. And so Geralt's like, oh, we got to try. Right. I'll find that dude because he's sexist and just assumes that it's a man, which right. is wrong with Geralt. But, you know, he's got a lot of room to grow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's probably thinking it's Strangabore again. <laughs> yeah. We cut back to Yennefer. She's painting her lips. And Tessaia DeVries shows up, comments on Yen's life, gives her a bunch of shit, like kind of like her mother would do. Right. Like she's basically Yennefer's mother. Um, and she's telling her that everybody's upset with her about how she's living her life and it's borderline going to be punishable. Um, so we do get a little bit of the politics that I was confused on in the previous episode. Like, is it okay that she just wanders as a free mage now? 
Um, kind of no is the answer to that. Kind of no. Fringilla's thriving in Nilfgaard, which was supposed to be your post. Uh, I mean, Yennefer's really shitty to Tissaia. She's obviously very upset with her own life, very interested in hurting everyone else's feelings, and basically tells her to fuck off, right? Uh, and Tissaia wants her to come home. And we'll find out why later. Tissaia steps through a portal. She gone. Uh, <laughs> cut back to Geralt. He races Yaskir to Mayor Bo Barron's house. I hate that name too. It's not as bad as click to clank or whatever, but it's not great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's, they love alliteration in the side characters. Uh, the house is dark. He finds a guard. I love this moment where he's like, tries to pump Geralt for money to get inside. Like you got to pay me. And Geralt's like, Oh, okay. Pulls out a huge sack of coins. Cause apparently even though he can't sleep, he's been working. He's been finding work. He's, yeah. he's stacked with cash. And he just smacks the dude over the face with the sack of coins. Like, here's your money, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, I remember just like chuckling in complete and utter mirth at the moment that happened. Uh, I don't know why. I just dig that kind of shit. Um, so anyway, they're, they're getting to the house and they find the mayor, Bo Brandt. Uh, but he's wandering completely in the nude seems to be very confused and immediately you know what's going on yennefer was uh insincere in her uh <laughs> in her bill in her uh acquiescence to his uh pumping her for cash yeah. so she's taking over the whole town essentially and she's living she's, in the mayor's she's living house. in his house yeah he's throwing throwing dope orgies with the whole town <laughs> yes i love that scene it's so like so eventually, let's cut to that. So they see the naked mayor. He wants apple juice. <laughs> and Geralt's like, oh, whatever. And Yaskir's like semi-conscious, like, what the fuck? Uh, so they end up wandering into this room where they find Yennefer seated on a dais. Uh, and there's this massive orgy going on around them, which is apparently everyone in the town uh, under a trance. They have no yeah. idea what they're actually doing. She's doing it for her own amusement. She's not partaking in it. She's, I think, just enjoying humiliating yeah. all these people. Yeah, she just likes watching. It's cool. That's cool. It's just a role uh, of voyeurism. <laughs> uh, but she's dressed all like eyes wide shutty. You know what I mean? Just to, yeah. to cap it off. She's got the mask know, and this, everything. It's Yeah, it's this Kubrickian scene of lust. Uh, and I, I just love the way that, like, yes, Gear is being the way that he is, very intrigued by his surroundings, still more interested in not dying, but he's also like being thrust into bosoms and stuff. And he's kind of like, <laughs> I don't hate this. However, like you can see it on his face. I don't hate this. However, I think more pressing matters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Because he's like, his throat's as big as a gourd at this point. And Geralt, true stud that he is, completely uninterested in all the nakedness and debauchery around him. Uh, But he does seem very smitten with the image of Yennefer over on her little throne. And I have to say, I am as well. I think she looks fucking incredible with the mask and the way that the, her makeup is. The whole costume set of this this part of the show is stunning. And it's my favorite image of Jennifer. What did you think of it? I, I'm, or were you just like, why is there an orgy? This is weird. I was, I was more like, yeah, I was more questioning the, the what the orgy was. <laughs> That's fair. That's a fair question. If you're like me, you just, okay, there's an order. You're just accepting of, of, of orgies and, and situations uh, adjacent to orgies and you move on to the grander things at work, Steve. Oh, an orgy. Like oh, I've seen, I've seen so many orgies. Don't even, oh, don't even oh, phase an orgy. me. 
What a classic way to spend a Tuesday. <laughs> How quaint an orgy. Ah, that, that brings me back to simpler times. It must, it must be Tuesday in Rend. <laughs> Moving on, because I'm not a child. Uh, yeah. And so anyway, we find out she's just got the whole town bewitched and she's making them fuck for her amusement, which is, you know, not cool. If you really think about it for more than a second, not cool at all. Uh, they all flee and he ends up saying, hey, uh, there's a gin situation and her ears perk up. So you, you you find out later, or maybe if you're savvy, more savvy than I by far, you realize immediately that she's interested in in the gin, granting her the ability to have children and doesn't care about helping Yaskir at all. Right. Um, so she saves Yaskir, tells Geralt, hey, you're going to have to wait for a little while but he's going to be okay. And then why don't, in the meantime, why don't we go take a bath together? Which is a strange suggestion, but he's down for it. Now she tells him he's stinky. So he gets in the bath. She eventually well, strips and gets I don't in the think bath she says, him. let's take a bath together. I think she tells him to take a bath and then she just right. walks in on him and joins him. And he's a little uncomfortable from it. <laughs> eventually. And this is where we get the iconic, uh, Henry Cavill naked in a bath scene. That is, uh, Honestly, in a feast for the eyes for every man and woman, I think. Yeah. Uh, but this is like the most used gift of the picture. Uh, but eventually, yeah, she's seductively strips and sits down with him and they, they go back to back. Uh, but then there's like this really heartfelt moment where they, they, they kind of realize they're both on the island of lost toys together, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because really, if there's any characters that can really relate to one another, it's these two, and it, it's it's a great scene because I don't they they do such a good job kind of showing you just the natural attraction that they have for one another because they're both beautiful people, but then they really take great great strides to really kind of make that emotional connection between the two of them, uh, and and it's very successful. Yeah, I was really. Um curious what you thought of this scene in particular because i remember when we were talking about you know doing our our james bond watch on every other every one of those films um i talked about how much i loved leah sadu um but you and andy said yeah but they have terrible chemistry which is true but it, i just love her so much i didn't even pick much up pick up much on that and i was thinking about you the whole time i was watching this thinking to my knowledge Man, he uh, really Henry. looks like Steve. Henry Cavill looks so much like Steve. I can't get him out of <laughs> my head. Not only that, but Henry Cavill and Anya Chalatra are killing it. Like there's a phenomenal chemistry here. Um, they they really seem like two people slowly falling in love. There's a lot of sexual tension, but at the same time, like really mature emotional connection. And I was all over it. And I was wondering if you thought the same thing. Oh, 100%. Yeah, these two have off-the-charts chemistry. This is what chemistry looks like, right? Yeah, these are the two the two most interesting characters on the show to the point where, like, when if Yennefer's not on screen or if Garrett's not on screen, my interest is pretty... It, it like, falls. But as soon as they're back on, like, huh. But now they're finally together... Right. And, and it's everything you want it to be, because as someone who played the games, you know that Geralt and Yennefer have this, you know, love story and everything. So you're hoping that it translates well onto the screen. And it absolutely does. And it's such a slow burn, too, because this is what episode five. So it takes five episodes before they finally are even, you know, made aware of one another, let alone in the same right. room together. And right. It, 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 you're right. Like the, the they have really, really good chemistry. It's so believable. 
I, I, I'm with you. I think um, even though that there's not a whole lot of plot that happens in this episode, this is one of my very favorites. And we'll, we'll talk about that later. Uh, but yeah, eventually he finds out, you know, he sees the the symbol on the bottle in the corner. He, he cracks her plan. She's trying to get the gin. Uh, and he wants to save Yaskir. He wants to stop her, but really it's just to help her, right? Like he immediately just feels yeah. the need to save her from herself, um, which really frustrates Yaskir later. So then the winter tries to take Yeskir, tells her the Jin is gone. Her plan's stupid. She wants to know how many wishes Yeskir made before he was attacked. And then for, I don't, I didn't understand this. Maybe you did, but then Geralt realizes he smells lilac and gooseberries. Yes. And he's been trying to distract him. She's been trying to distract him all along. And then he passes out. Right. Uh, what, so what the fuck happened? She she put a, a similar spell on him that she did like to the mayor and, and whatnot. I thought witchers were resistant to magic. I think they and are. How is the lilac and gooseberries rem- like a clue to that? The li- well, I don't think the lilac and gooseberries are a clue to that specifically. I think it's just a clue of that's how Yennefer smells. Um, because that's that's a pretty that sig- sounds like she smells wonderful. Well, yeah, that's that's a defining thing. Like even in the games, like if if Geralt ever smells that he immediately thinks of Yennefer and that's how that's could because that's what she smells like and that's like a big part of their romance is like he's very attracted to that scent because i that that's what she has I on can't i can't wait to play <laughs> Witcher 3 again with like such a deep love for this universe and knowledge of its politics and like oh, i'm in Skellige i wonder where Iced is you know just like that's going to be so fun um I can't, I'm really, I've already downloaded it. I just haven't started it yet because I'm scared of myself. I get very obsessed with RPGs and it'll take at least a yeah. hundred hours for me to like get over it again. That's a deep game. I'm just game. not ready for that. Yeah. I just, I go to click on it every night and I'm like, mm, I don't want to start this torture yet. Uh, I've got shit to do. Anywho, <laughs> so he awakens in a jail cell with uh chiridan i don't know how to pronounce it i'm just again confidently going for it the, the elf, elf guy, guy. <laughs> he basically finds out look i didn't warn you about yennefer because i love her and I'm, isn't she great and <laughs> you saw it <laughs> yeah lilac and gooseberries bro where does she get that perfume it is just intoxicating it's like chocolate and peanut butter lilac and gooseberries boom oh my goodness. i got gooseberries in my lilac i got lilac in my gooseberries <laughs> And then we see the mayor's guard again, uh, the one that got slapped with the the coins earlier. He's pretty pissed off and he loves the opportunity to beat the shit out of Geralt, which he proceeds to do. Um, but Geralt's in the, in the jail because she put the spell on him and he like went out and made an ass of himself. Yeah, in he the like town. basically was on Xanax and blacked out and did a bunch of dumb shit. Yeah, like beat up um, some people. and. But I, I hate the idea that like uh, a blacked out Geralt just gets like put in the drunk tank because i feel like a blacked out Geralt would be a really dangerous thing in fact but he's just out like being silly well i have to imagine they're just like let him run his course let him run let, let him let him tire you know himself I mean? out he's like one of the most powerful beings in the universe and they're like yeah you got in a fight at a waffle house we had to <laughs> shut it down buddy uh that, that is like oh damn that is why i love the series though because there is silly stuff like that like Geralt's a super powerful guy but oh man <laughs> he beat up the cook at waffle house we gotta let him tire himself out we'll drag him to the to the drunk tank afterwards yeah let's sleep it off you rascal um <laughs> so that we're, then we get this kind of quick intercutting uh between yes gear 
and Yennefer and uh, Geralt in the jail cell. I don't remember why the, the elf doctor's in there, but whatever. Um, so then it cuts back and forth uh, in the mayor's bedchamber. Yaskier wakes up, sees a naked Jennifer, uh, sorry, Yennefer at the end of the bed, uh, drawing an amphora on her belly. Uh, and Yaskier's like, this is cool, but also not like big fan of nude women again. However, the life-threatening 10. I hate amphoras. <laughs> not, yeah, not a fan. Not a fan at all. Uh, so th- then we cut back to the guard beating up on Geralt unintentional alliteration i see how the writers do it so much uh and he asks what the the witcher uh what does the witcher want Geralt yells i want you to burst you son of a whore and the guard's head explodes so then that's when it is revealed oh shit the wishes have been Geralt's the whole time which you probably picked up on at the beginning of the episode when when he said he wanted peace yes gears throat they do a good up. job of hiding it though i think they do they it's do. like there's enough of doubt to the whole thing uh, like maybe they both get wishes. Like, I don't know how gins work. Yeah. I don't know. The um, rules. I'm not like a gen expert. I don't even know what gooseberries are. And then uh, uh, a second cut on the witcher's arm appears. So that's when, you know, Oh shit. That's the demarcation of which wishes being used. Yeah. Very interesting. Very Two interesting. down one to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh trade and Geralt stare at one another. Oh shit. Everybody realizes it within the story as well. Geralt has been the Jin's master all along. Uh, cut back to the bedchamber. Jennifer's tossing Yaskir around the chamber, demanding him to make his third wish. Uh, he screams, uh, he would like to leave the house. <laughs> That's how he uses it. Because, you know, he's he's under duress, can't think of a good wish. And Yaskir runs away. Jennifer works to capture the Jin into the abdominal prison that she's decorated herself with. So her whole plan is once the third wish is used, the Jin is freed and there is no longer a vessel for it to go back into. So she wants to be the vessel and she'll have the power of the Jin and can make herself have a baby, I guess, is the plan. I don't yeah. know why her plan is not to capture it in something safe and then free it and get three wishes. That's not her plan. It's a hard Maybe economy, man. Well, why, why, go, why go buy huh? a jar or a, or, a, or a lamp when you can just use your old tum-tum, you know? That's true. What else is, and, is it good for? I think it's a, uh, what, what is it? Why buy the milk when you could have the whole cow or something, something like that? For free? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> that metaphor tracks. <laughs> I could have a million wishes. So I think it's partially that not only does she want to have a baby, but she, she lusts after power as well, right? To validate her existence. Yeah. Um, so yes, Gear comes out of the house, sees Garrett, Garrett looking for him. He's like, dude, she crazy. And uh, <laughs> Geralt heads into the house to save Yennefer. Yaskir is really confused by this because he just wants to get out of there. And even tr- uh, and try to convince him otherwise. Uh, Geralt finds Yennefer naked in the room fighting with the Shin. Uh, and Geralt tells her that he has the wishes. She screams at him to make his wish. He says he'll make the wish for her, uh, but release the Shin before it kills her. And she won't listen. He really cares about her already for reasons even he doesn't understand. She screams. She doesn't want him to make a wish for her. Um, And he makes a silent wish. Finally, a third cut appears on his arm to indicate that the wizard seal disintegrates and the roof of the house collapses completely. Um, So we are to assume. Do we ever find out exactly what his wish? Yeah, we do later in a later episode, I think. So anyway, yeah. Outside, Charaden asks Yaskir if he's sure they were inside. And they both think that Geralt and Yennefer are dead, essentially. They start weeping for them. 
uh, Yennefer's opened up a portal into the hall where she held the orgy. So they're back in the orgy room safe, right? Basically, um, she comes to starts arguing with Geralt. And then all of a sudden they burst into passion upon each other and they start having sex. And it's a hilarious and awesome scene because it's both like really cool because because of the sexual tension, you wanted Geralt and Yennefer to have sex. But at the same time, there's this comedic element to it because poor Trayden, who loves her, is like wandering around the house <laughs> and then sees him doing it. And he's like, um, they're OK. They're actually like super okay. Uh, <laughs> I guess I love how Yaskier says that. Like they're really okay. Yeah, it's it's awesome, man. The whole the whole delivery of that is perfectly done. Uh, and then you know, then when they're finished, Geralt falls asleep, as you do. And you my do. wife, this is maybe a little personal, but I don't think it is because anyone that's ever been a man or met a man knows that this to be true. But like he falls asleep immediately. <laughs> and my wife looked at me like, mm hmm. I and hear that, that girl. Like, yeah, <laughs> that was funny to me. Uh, and we cut back finally to Brokalon. Mouth sack, quote unquote, arrives looking for Siri. And the general brings him in again, doesn't ask him to drink any Brokalon brew or anything to be safe. It's like, it's mouth sack. And uh, oh, mouth sack, when... welcome back, bud brother. <laughs> we haven't seen she... you around these parts in a few, 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 few moons. <laughs> And that's when Siri decides to leave the safety of Brokalon with her good dear friend Mouse Sack, uh, and so that's where she makes her choice to stay in the plot of the story. <laughs> yeah. It'd be really awkward if she didn't. Yeah, I think I'm just gonna stay here. No, I'm good. The end. Witcher season yep. one. With a little I bit don't of trivia why for you. Dara decided to go with her. Yeah, at least a little bit of trivia. You know how uh, when Geralt is locked up in the drunk tank and the. Uh, I think it's the jailer says like, what's the difference between a witcher and a tub of dung? And Geralt's like, ah, I know that one before he gets oh, like, yeah, hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we don't hear the punchline to that. Do you want to know what the punchline is? What? Okay. So the joke is what's the difference between a witcher and a tub of dung? The tub. Okay. What? The tub. That's the difference. <laughs> oh, cause the witcher's the, uh, the dung. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. That's <laughs> That's rude. That's rude, boy. That's a rude boy. That is not cool, man. Why am I so mean to the Witchers? Um, yeah, man. So that brings us to episode six, titled Rare Species. But first, overall, where does this rate as far as uh, bottled, uh, what was it called? Bottled bottled passion? Bottled, bottled appetites. Bottled, bottled appetites. I was going bottled shit. I was close. <laughs> Dung was still in the brain. Yeah. What did you think of Bottled Appetites? I think it's a good episode. Uh, like I said, you, the, the two most intriguing characters in the show are Geralt and Yennefer. And so you finally put them together and they do such a great job of it. Um, uh, I, I still, again, I'm, I don't really like the Siri subplots, but thankfully they don't really like spend a lot of time on her. It's mostly, yes, yeah, Geralt, Geralt and Yennefer, the three most entertaining characters. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, for sure. And they're fighting a genie, you know? So that's always fun. What about you? Yeah. What I mean, anytime a Jen is introduced, uh, you know, you got yourself some gold. I love this episode for so many reasons. It's one of my very favorites. Uh, I think the first episode is up there as far as we were, we're probably going to do a top three at some point. I think it will certainly include uh, bottled appetites for me. A little, uh, I just wanted to look and see the ranking on these episodes. So on IMDb, they've got bottled appetites at an 8.4. 
and of banquets, bastards, and burials at an 8.6. Okay. Um, I'm trying to see. And none of them go higher than an 8.9. I disagree with these rankings. I mean, I kind of agree with them, but but I don't know, man. What did you think episode four was better than five? I personally like four more than five. Just that's my personal preference. Just because I like how weird and crazy it is. It's even with a uh, fun episode. Jennifer, Jennifer dressed like eyes wide shut. <laughs> I think the Jennifer dresses eyes wide shut is more of a Chris thing than a Steve thing. <laughs> really? I think that's I thought that would be like ubiquitous. I mean, I, she's definitely a beautiful lady, but that's not like, I don't know. I, 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 I did not have the reaction that you seem to have had to it. <laughs> Interesting factoid, uh, the lowest ranked episode is Four Marks, the episode that's basically... Is that two? Yeah, it's almost all Yennefer, basically. It's the introduction oh, of okay. Yennefer. That's, that's my least favorite episode. Yeah, that's everybody's least favorite. Um, and the second worst reviewed episode, and they're all high for IMDb. Anytime you see above an eight for IMDb, it's it's a good show usually. Yeah. Um, but the second lowest ranked is the next episode, rare species that we're about to talk about now. And I also think that that's accurate. What do you think? Uh, There's a lot of entertaining shit in this, but there, some of it's, this is, this is entertaining, but this is also definitely like the cheapest looking episode of the yeah, entire take, season. Exactly. They, they take some really wide swings with the fantasy elements in this episode. Yeah. Um, and I think that some of them work better than others and some of them work not at all. Um, uh, and we'll try to, I know we're getting late on time. We'll try to go as quickly as we can, but there's some important stuff in this episode. Um, essentially, we start off with the Eskir. He sits composing a love song, waiting on Geralt's latest customers uh, for the Witcher to return and uh, waiting with Geralt's latest customers. They pull a really stupid move and try to basically impatiently rob the Witcher. Uh, and that's when we're introduced to some new characters. Uh, an older man with two women warriors arrives telling the two men they need to stop trying to steal the witcher's possessions. Uh, and one of the women breaks the neck of one of the thieves and the other guy's like, Oh, and then Geralt shows up, tosses the head of the monster that he was out slaying and Kiki Mora, uh, probably. Yeah. Probably almost certainly a Kiki Mora. <laughs> uh, so the old man's name is Borch three Jack dolls. I think it's a great name. <laughs> is it T and V or Taya and Vea? I think it's Taya and Vea. Okay, and he's with uh, Taya and Vea. Yeah, T and V T would be and... terrible. <laughs> this is T and V. I watch them on my TV. <laughs> That's not what actually I was going with that, but um, so he takes them. Where to, were you going with that? But that I don't want to say. Okay. So a, <laughs> like T and A would have been a more funny. Oh, gotcha. Because uh, you know there's like tits and ass. I got yeah. <laughs> but there's a really funny moment where uh yes here's like abhorred that the guy got his neck broken and Garrett walks up and he's like kind of confused at the whole situation and yes here's like they were trying to rob you and then that lady broke his neck and Garrett's basically like dope and they, <laughs> <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> cool glad something finally went well for are. me <laughs> yeah a lot more useful than you are asshole uh so t and v and <laughs> Uh, Taya and Vea and Borch Three Jack Dolls take uh, Geralt and Yaskier to a bar, essentially, uh, and sits them down. And he explains what's going on, that they want to hang out with them. Right. There's well, a I dragon hunt. We want you guys there. It's part of our team. 
Okay, there's one terror as a dragon terrorizing a nearby kingdom, and the one who hunts it down will be granted a vassal state as a reward. So, uh, are you familiar with the way feudalism works, Steve? Yes. I, I saw uh, The Last Duel, I'm aware. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> well, I was somewhat of a medieval nerd in my youth, so uh, pretty fond of, not fond of feudalism, that would be a bad political stance. Uh, but I just, pro-feudalism, <laughs> I, I, I too would like to have some serfs. Uh, People call me the Bernie Sanders of feudalism in, uh, in my circles. We have to bring it back. Um, <laughs> There's going to be lords yeah, and chamberlains and ladies and lords. And they're going to all Bernie come Sanders, together. can you explain to our listeners how feudalism works? Well, as you know, I'm a big supporter of grassroots movements. And this is like grassroots movements on crack. The people make the supplies the, and the, 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 the monetary uh, gains go upwards. And there's a head of the table, and that head of the table is usually a king or queen, and uh, they 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 rule all. <laughs> they rule all. That's, yes, that's very right. That's very right. Under the king and queen, you then have have lords uh, uh, or, or vassals, right? And then the serfs uh, or peasants work for the vassals. They pay taxes. And then the vassals individually pay taxes to the king and queen, right? I'm a, so that's I'm a how greater fan of taxing the king and queen themselves, personally. Yeah, we know. We, right. But in this political system, that's not a thing. We understand that, right? We still live in that system right now. Is how I would argue. <laughs> that's correct. That's correct. We just don't anyway, call them the, vassals. We call them senators. <laughs> the, person, the person who... Uh, uh, hunts the dragon will become a vassal. So a huge plot of land, a bunch of money. It's a good prize, right? There's four teams. The Reavers, uh, which is just sounds bad in every story that anything reaving comes up. It's usually bad, right? Yeah, the villains uh, in Serenity slash Firefly. Yeah, and the, there's Reavers in, in many science fiction things. Um, uh, it, wait, Soul Reaver was a game. Even. I was, yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's a group of dwarves. It's the first time we've seen dwarves in this universe, I think, unless you count the servant, the servant, yeah, the lady's tent, uh, and then uh, Borch's team, which might include Geralt, and then a mystery fourth, which is later revealed to be Yennefer and the noble Sir Ike of Dynasty. Uh, her entry into the contest convinces Geralt to join. So we, we, you come to understand the way time works in the show. It's been years since he's seen her. Um, and he sees her, he gets intrigued. He's like, you know what? I'll play your dragon game. But at first he says he doesn't want to join the dragon hunt. I'm not going to kill a dragon. Dragons are rare. They're dope. They're nice. They're super There's no cool. reason to kill them. Yeah, they're super cool. Big fan of dragons personally. I got a dragon tattoo, but it would be inappropriate to show you. So no, I don't want to join your dragon hunt. Sir. Or Sir. Jack V, dog, <laughs> triple name. V, thank you. Good day. Uh, <laughs> But then he sees Jennifer and he's like, you know what? I'll go. Uh, so Geralt introduces himself to the dwarf leader. His name is Yarpin Zigrin. Again, phenomenal naming. At the sunrise start of the uh, at the sunrise start of the hunt, uh, Jennifer speaks to Geralt for the first time. They trade barbs with the Askir. Uh, it's been a while. She and Geralt are unchanged, and you don't really see much change in Yaskir either. But you do hear Jennifer mark that he has like remarks that he has crow's feet, feet yeah. now. Um, so basically, I don't know how it works. I would assume may do major. I don't know if they live forever or just a really long time. 
doesn't matter. You know, they live a really long time. You may or may not know that witchers live a very long time as well. I think the in the present day, Geralt's over 100 years old. I don't know how long witchers live because, in my opinion, he does show signs of aging. Um, let's just say a couple hundred years, maybe. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, I think it's like three to four hundred, maybe five if you're lucky. Yeah, because Vesemir obviously ages, right? So yeah. he looks pretty old. Yeah, he's an old dude. Um, so anyway, that's where that's remarked to. Um, Sir Ike, her escort, starts blathering on about kingdom and glory. So he's pretty much your your quintessential knight douche, right? Yeah, he's uh, all about honor and for for the for the realm that type of dude. He's he's a, he's yeah. a geek. He's a geek in this universe, a hundred percent. His character has all the depth of Queen Callus, basically. Um, yeah. Geralt ties up Roach next to the other team's mounts because he can't take horses up the mountain, and the company sets off, right? Then we cut back to Siri and Dara. They're walking to the border of Brokelon Forest with Mouse Sack, and things aren't right already. Dara's awesome. super suspicious, pretty pissed off that he had to leave the Brokelon brew back because he was loving sipping on that cough syrup, and he's really using that anguish to mistrust Mouse Sack, right? Mm-hmm. Um, she's asking him questions about the law of surprise. Mouse Sack is really falling out of character really quickly. Like Doppler is just has very little patience. It, it seems like he's immediately like, Oh my fucking God. This girl just Shut keeps up. asking questions. Shut up. Obvi not mouse sack. Are you stupid? <sighs> um, which is pretty irresponsible. I think uh, mouse sack tells her Geralt saved her father, but it's obvious the Doppler is losing patience with her. Uh, yes. Gear walks with Taya and Vea. cut back to them. He's pretty smitten with him, right? Like he in the bar had a really stupid pickup line. I forget well, what it was. He's was... he's smitten with him as much as Yaskier's just smitten with anything with a hole between two legs. You know what I'm saying? True. <laughs> but but Steve, everything has a hole. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I get what you're saying. Um, yeah, but he says something like, uh, your your neck is beautiful like a goose's or something like that. Uh, and it's funny because Geralt like looks at him like that's your pickup line. Yeah, I was going to say like, what, what, is that a line that would work on a lady? Like if I went to the bar tonight and was like, Hey, your neck looks like a goose. I think <laughs> in Geralt's estimation. No, I don't see anything wrong with it. I think it should have worked. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but he's trying to determine their relationship with boards. Cause he thinks, you know, they're two beautiful women. Why are you following this old dude around? And they say it's the most beautiful creature something like that right like he's the most beautiful man we've ever seen the most most beautiful beautiful. creature something like that and that is confounding to yes gear um and back in the back yennefer and ike uh (laughs) behind yennefer and ike borch is is watching Geralt and sees that he's in love with yennefer they climb the mountain there's a lot of like annoying wisdom that borch exudes and it's it's really like uh strange right you don't understand what's going on here um, but you're intrigued as the viewer, are you not? He's definitely yeah. a charismatic old man that you kind of want to know a little bit more about his past. Yeah, you he don't see things. the beauty that T and V are talking about, but he's just something something about him, you know? Something about him. I thought they were talking about his spirit when I first saw this episode, when they were like, he's the most beautiful. <laughs> I'm like, oh, he, he, he must be a cool dude to hang out I with. I took it like beauty standards are different in every culture you know that's the way i took it i just wrote it off to that as kind of like it was a joke um but as they climb they come to the place where the dragon first attacked the kingdom and Geralt doesn't understand why the dragon attacked right so he's the only one that actually knows well we think knows about creatures like dragons and again he doesn't want to harm it once they find it um borge says their species is dwindling they're becoming desperate 
Uh, Yaskir tries to find berries or something to eat in the surrounding woods. And then he finds some kind of animal and calls out to Geralt because he's like the resident animal expert yeah. again. Uh, then he becomes horrified when it stands up on its hind legs and realizes it's, it's like, like a really scary tall, yeah. thing. Geralt calls it not a Kikimora, Steve, but a Harika. And uh, it's it's a very benign and he says, hey, it's probably just hungry. Everybody just leave it alone. <laughs> and then fucking Ike steps in and like butchers the shit out of it. Death. Like, For crown and glory. Right. And Geralt's disgusted because it wasn't going to hurt anybody. Um, and it's pretty upsetting. Right. And he's yeah. like kind of just fed it and it would have gone away, uh, which is a terrible Geralt impersonation. But I'm getting tired. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> I thought it was pretty spot on, man. <laughs> That was good. So then they, they cook the Eureka. Uh, Borch doesn't want any. Nobody really wants any. Probably not a healthy choice to eat, right? Uh, Boholt approaches the fire. He's one of the Reavers, and he's leering at Yennefer, and everybody's just like, fuck this guy immediately. He, he's a, a Reaver. collective audience. Yeah, we're all like, fuck this fuck guy. Fuck Reavers. Uh, and that he's he's playing his part well. That's what you're supposed to feel. Uh, but Ike just like pulls out the liver or something, I think. And he's like, nom, 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 a knight always eats its kill, which is yeah. weird because sometimes you kill people, you weird bastard. <laughs> Don't um, let a kill like this go to waste. <laughs> and everybody's like, I wouldn't eat that, but he's dumb as shit. And he eventually gets sick and has to go take a shit. And it's really funny and well played in that scene because he's like, <laughs> may I take leave of my lady? You know, <laughs> he, he, walk yeah. you back to your tent. Yeah, he looks like he's going to shit his brains out at any second, but he like stops and turns back around like, lady, may I walk you to your tent? As he's like kind of dancing and <laughs> fidgeting, trying not to shit himself. And and she's like, no, he's probably just go shit. Uh, so anyway, he runs off and then they start talking about dragons some more. And Geralt and the others basically start educating Yeskir on dragons, the different kinds, green, red, and black. And then Borch says, there's also gold dragons. And Geralt's like, no, you idiot. Gold dragons are a myth. And Borch, Taya, and Vea all laugh about Ike and everything. The scene cuts. But you're left wondering, what's up with these gold dragons? That's intriguing. Yeah, why, why, that, why, don't, why don't they exist? <laughs> right. Why would you even bring that up? Is this some sort of Chekhov's gold dragon? Nah. <laughs> nah. You just could possibly. They're going to run into a purple <laughs> dragon. <laughs> uh, cut back to the forest outside Brokolon. Uh, the Doppler is leading Siri and Dara around. Dara's starting to ask questions. Like, I have questions as well. I couldn't think of any. So, <laughs> so the Malsec. What is Malsec? Malsec spins a yarn that Geralt sent him in search of Siri. Uh, and, and while Siri talks to Dara, about his questioning Malsack, like, hey, leave him alone. Dara reminds her the Dryad Queen told him to ask the right questions, which is awkward because Malsack can hear them. And he tells Siri his mind is clear now. I'm not on that fucking Brokolon brew anymore. I was high as shit when we first left. But actually, now that I'm sobered up, this whole thing smells like smells bullshit. fishy. Mm-hmm. Smells like a Hirika uh, Ma- barbecue. And Mouse Sack's story is super weak. But then he takes the sash that he stole from the real Mouse Sack, uh, Calanthe's sash, gives it to Siri, distracts her briefly, and that's it for a little while, right? Cut back to Yennefer. She emerges from her tent seeking Sir Ike, who has not returned from his ferocious shit the night before. (laughs) I thought he was out taking some bodacious shits, but I cannot find him. (laughs) Yarpin, who remember is the leader of the dwarves, found the knight down the ridge. His throat has been slit while he was taken said doo-doo. Uh, and now he did Yennefer not have a shitless death. 
<laughs> he did not have a shitless death. Uh, and everybody's like, that's fucked up, killing somebody while this shit, right? And we all know it was the Reavers, but we're like, can't prove it, which they're really concerned about the burden of proof now, but not where the law of surprise is concerned. So just goes to show they're very picky about when they jump to conclusions in this universe, which I appreciate. Uh, the company walks together and Taya says the hunt's becoming more dangerous. The dwarf leader agrees. Uh, he tells them the dwarves mine these mountains, which, of course, the dwarves mine the mountains. Of right? course. What else would they be doing with those mountains? And I got to say, not a great idea to follow a dwarf on a shortcut. Typically, other fantastical stories have proven that to be a bad idea. Uh, and this one's so different. <laughs> this one's different. I was trying to think of the quote, taking the long way around all that shit, but whatever. The minds of Moria. Uh, we're talking about Lord of the Rings. If you're not picking up what we're laying down, okay? Yeah. I'm really bad at it. Steve's got a super good Gimli impersonation. The minds of Moria. The- yeah. Okay. Some Anyhow, people think this dwarves just spring out of the ground. <laughs> this universe dwarf shortcuts are right. And so... Um, they go out ahead. And I believe at this point, Geralt gets Yennefer to go with them, right? Like, Hey, the dwarves are taking some shortcut. It's going to be dope. Throughout throughout him and Yennefer have some interactions. They, they usually argue. Um, Apparently we find out Geralt left her before she woke the first time that they slept together and it really hurt her feelings. So now she's pissed off at him. Understandably. Um, but he, yeah, exactly. But he's been missing her ever since. Right. Um, and they're, they're worried about who killed Ike, this and that. Um, and things carry on. We cut back to Cirilla and she's asking, quote unquote, mouse sack if he misses Skellig. And you can tell she's getting savvy now. Now she's asking some tricky questions. Let's see what happens. And the Doppler's like, yeah, of course, I miss Skellig. I love Skellig. And Siri reminisces about Skellig and ice skating. And you get the sense she's making all this shit up. And she catches the imposter in his lie because she's like, do you miss the cold? And he's like, yeah, I fucking love cold. It's dope. And she's like, ah, no, you don't. You hate cold. Objection. <laughs> You're a beach guy. Everybody knows. Everybody knows old right? mouse sack drying his sack on the beach every every mm-hmm. summer. That's where he got the nickname because he's got a tiny sack <laughs> and it was always out on the beach. And, <laughs> but it was shriveled by the cold of Skellig, which is why he hates it. Yeah. Steve. Yes. Everybody don't, knows this. Don't we all? Aura takes his opportunity and attacks the Doppler with the knife, which seems presumptuous, but every work turns out okay. And luckily the knife's made of silver, which is actually not a great metal to use for knifing but it happens that this one's made of silver so it's fine and he and siri join in beating the monster but the doppler changes back into its natural form which is super spooky i have to say it's the first time that we've ever seen it that that character design i think worked well what did you think yeah i think so it kind of looks like like it's the dragons that look kind of rough later on right yeah 100 mostly the the gold one. I mean, the, the Doppler is basically just like a vampire-esque zombie-looking creature. Um, so it's all a practical effect. So it looks good. Yeah. Well, they could they should have used a practical gold dragon. I think that would have worked better. Agreed. Yeah. That, like you can't just find one. Can't just call SAG and be like, hey, I need a gold dragon. Come on. <laughs> representation matters, Netflix. Well, they used a practical alien in Alien. They did. Mm-hmm. And that looked great. Tim. Yeah. I'm just saying Tim. <laughs> Tim yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm tired. <laughs> Me too, buddy. This is exhausting. 
but we do it for you, listener. For the content. For the content. Anyway, they nearly beat the Doppler, uh, but then it knocks Dara out like you do. And Siri runs like, fuck you, Dara. Sorry. And she runs. Uh, yeah, she does kind of really just weird. abandon her friend. <laughs> yeah. And like they took the opportunity to like briefly interview it and like call it bad names instead of finishing the kill when they had the upper hand. Mm-hmm. Not a good idea. They, they pulled a classic villain mistake. Right. We cut back to the crew. Uh, rocks are tumbling around the cavern. Yarp and the dwarfs laughing about uh, Scree and Wynn bringing up the others out of the small wooden ledge and the doors see this little pathway that they used to craft right and like the shortcut is essentially just like two planks chained to the side of the mountain yeah and it's been on a on a, on a sheer cliff face yeah, yeah like hundreds of feet drop right um so they all start to try to walk along it nobody's stoked about it and i assume Geralt weighs like 250 uh yeah easy so easy yeah i'd want to go in front of him for sure uh, basically long story short borch falls Geralt catches him and then I think he's holding on to Taya and Vea and then Borch is at the bottom, right? No, uh, Borch is on the top and Taya and Vea are holding on to like Borch's legs or so, or they're beneath him. No, because Borch like voluntarily drops. Yeah, they're not ho- Geralt's life. I'm, I'm, I'm so uh, sorry. He's not. Ho- they're not holding on to him, but they are below him. They're like further down holding on to chains or something below him. So when he does fall, they're like, oh, he, fell. Oh, he falls past them. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, and so they decide to, and it looks like they're all sacrificing themselves, but we later find out, let's just fucking spoil it, because everybody who's listening to this has either muted us and let us play for the algorithm. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, by the way. Or have watched the episode. So we all know Borch is the gold dragon, and it's really cool watching this show a second time, because it looks like he's falling to his death and then Tay and Vea are like we don't want to live without the beautiful old man and that's weird <laughs> but then rewatching it you know that what really happened is he knew he could fucking fly they knew he could fucking fly and all they were going to do was hang on there until they killed everyone who couldn't fucking fly yeah so, <laughs> so they're like peace out we're going to be cool don't worry totally don't uh, worry we're falling a- into the mists for drama reasons, there's a bunch of fog and mist, and so we can't see him turn into a gold dragon, right? Yeah. Uh, and they just fall. So Geralt thinks he's dead. Deaths. Yeah, they think they're dead yeah. the whole time until the very end when he shows up like, I'm actually a dragon now. <laughs> and then, yeah, they proceed on to uh, on the dragon hunt without the crew. And it's very sad, very shocking. Um, and but there's also, throughout all of this, there's a lot of really... Um, touching moments i alluded to it before but there's some really touching moments where Geralt's honest with yennefer like um that he that before i met you my life was empty and now she's important to him right and this is huge for somebody like Geralt and yennefer are both the most i don't know what to say they're like, lonely and they kind of push away society because yes. they, they're different and he won't even admit that yes gear is his friend much less like that he's in love with a woman right right and every time he does relent to caring for someone he usually kills them <laughs> like, yeah yeah like Renfrey. i think he even says that like the last woman i loved i stabbed yeah uh, which did happen um poor renfrey uh so anyway back to siri she's captured by a nilfgaardian scout 
and she awakens and we think, right? She gets up in the kitchen. There's Kahir's there. Everything's, oh, no. And he explains, oh, don't worry. You're going to save the kingdom. We're going to conquer the whole world together. But it turns out that that was actually the Doppler. Am I remembering right? Uh, yeah, the Doppler pretends to be Siri. So the Doppler was Siri, right? Mm-hmm. And so then it's Kahir fighting Kahir. And it's really a weird scene because you don't know which one is, the, at least I didn't know which one was the Doppler. Um, were you able to keep track of throughout this battle? Of like which Kahir was which? Yes. No, no. And it wasn't until the one kind of, well, I think it gets injured and then runs away. I was like, oh, that's clearly the Doppler. The real Kahir is 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 the one left standing. But I do like the one point because the, the Doppler, when it takes the form of a person, it also takes their memories so it like can perfectly fit in and blend in. Um, mm-hmm. And when he takes the form of Kahir, he says, like, do you really believe all this nonsense in your head, this prophecy? We think you're insane. So it's like it's yeah. it's adding more and more credence to the religious uh, zealotry that's happening in Nilfgaard and and uh, Kahir is definitely the white the flame. The white flame. Yeah. It, it tells all. That's a that's a really cool way to move that plot line forward. And and you can presume that when he became Siri is when he found out what she really is. Yeah. Um, and that's why he's so mad at Kahir. Because um, he's like, you didn't tell me any of this shit. This is pertinent to the job. You want me to be thorough. You want me to do my, a good job. And you don't give me all the facts. And that's just unprofessional. And that you made me, me you made me look like ugly mouse sack for like a whole day. I'm very whole upset. Day, he, uh, he smelled like a damn mouse sack. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Wasn't a fan of that at all. Um, and you didn't tell me she's going to ask so many dang questions. You didn't tell me she had an elf boy. Like <laughs> Doppler, why just, have you turned yourself into Ted Lasso while we're having this discussion? <laughs> I just, I do want to get angry. God dang it. Um, Cut back to Jennifer catches up with the dwarves on the trail, freezes them all in place, which is neat because it's like they're, they do want to kill a dragon. We're not going to lie. However, in general, cool dudes, they're good guys. Yeah. Cool. Dudes. We need to find a way plot speaking for them to avoid a slaughter. Right. Because Geralt will kill a dwarf. We've seen that. I, I uh, love the the joke. This leads to because later on the episode when you ask you're trying to catch up to everybody. Um, he runs past the dwarves who are frozen in place. He's like, what are we queuing her up, up, up or something? What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Here's fucking awesome. Um, so she freezes them in. She enters the cave. She finds the dragon already dead, clutching an egg. Not cool. But somehow Taya and Vea appear surprising Yennefer. And then Geralt catches up. He's like, oh shit. So he catches up real quick. Cause he's, he's a quick study. And he asks how they're still alive. And then from overhead, a golden dragon appears and speaks. And this is where shit kind of goes off the rails because it has Borch's voice and it doesn't work for me at all. And I presume, no, Steve, in your head. Yeah, 100% does not work. A, the dragon, the CGI in the dragon isn't great. It's not super terrible, though. It's just the voice for me. But go on. I, it's not great. Um, and then yes, it like they don't. So the mouth isn't opening. So it's speaking, I, I assume telepathically to, mm-hmm. to Geralt. Cause it's just, a, but still with Borch's voice. So we know what's going on and it's Borch's voice, which in and of itself isn't terrible, but they don't add any sort of effect to the voice to make it seem 
bigger. It's just like, I'm still here, but I'm technically a dragon now. <laughs> like, right. I was talking like this when I was an old man, but now I'm a dragon, and there's no it, difference I, in my voice. There's no I took even the form room. of an old man because I always had this old man voice. Yes. It's unfortunate, really. Gold dragons could sound cooler, you would think. Yeah. Uh, if, <laughs> if they added, like, some sort of reverb to the voice or just something Something. to make it like more supernatural than hello i'm protecting my egg (laughs) yeah really because the fact that the gold dragon is borch is indicated by the presence of tay and vea right so you don't really need to have that goofy human voice but yeah or just hire i guess they couldn't afford benedict cumberbatch because i mean really as far as disembodied dragon voices go he's the best oh we can all agree yeah yeah we can all agree on well, that. He, he also acted uh, out that uh, he physically acted out Smaug too. So that's true. That's if, we, if, we, we, listener. We don't know that know Borch that. didn't get a mocap suit and 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 just poorly do the gold dragon. Dude, that old man we is not know. squatting down <laughs> in a mocap suit. <laughs> Things get a little goofy here too. So let me jump to what's goofy. There's a little bit of goofiness in every episode and just sometimes it just outright doesn't work for me this is one so the i forget the other instances i pointed out but one was the the running from the doppler move right uh for sure i remember that but anyway so essentially what's really been going on all this time is that the dragon's dead there's a dragon baby egg um, and the reason the dragon had attacked was to protect the baby and so their whole plot the reason they hired Geralt was one kind of assuming that he was all four like dragons i'm for them they knew that about him but he kind of passed the test when he was asking him about the hunt in general so he actually liked that he was never going to kill the dragon obvi because mm-hmm. he is a dragon uh, and then <laughs> yennefer is no longer interested in the dragon because it's a baby and we know how yennefer feels about babies She's right like, oh fuck i gotta I protect it i do be protecting babies and so the reason she had wanted it to begin with was to for magical fertility dragon properties yeah um and that's she, what her and Geralt were arguing about. She used to be all about portaling in her youth. Now she's all about babies. Why didn't she just portal everybody to the top? Oh my fucking God. I never even thought of that. Uh, script writing reasons. <laughs> Why didn't she just portal to the cave, Steve? It's I don't know. I don't know. Like, oh, we need a uh, shortcut to the top of the mountain. Hey, could you portal us to the top of the mountain? Nah, man. She nah, could have portaled Sir Ike to a bathroom she, she really could have yeah holy shit you're gonna shit your pants you don't want to go out in the woods here here, Just, here <laughs> <laughs> why did she even have sir ike with her uh she was because if he got the vassal state she would have been like his right hand mage and it would have been her, uh, a way for her to kind of get more prestige and kind of but if she went alone we find out later she's actually not only a sorceress but very handy with a blade yeah, she would have been the vassal, and that's more her personality, don't you think? No, I like yes, because she can control him. But she's also one of those people who I think she likes having power from the from behind the curtain. She doesn't want to be the front and center. She likes to be able to craft interest. orgies when possible. She's the puppet master, unseen. Yes, right. yes. I get you. I get you. So that's what's going on. Then. The Reavers arrive, right? And so basically they're like, we're going to fucking kill this dragon. Did somebody order an action scene? (laughs) (laughs) Right. 
which is why there's been more of them the whole time. And then this is where I was alluding to earlier. It's super goofy. This giant mythical golden creature is like, please help protect me. Even though I could obviously shoot fire at everybody by myself. I'm a fucking I need- dragon. I don't, I don't lower myself to fighting with you parasites. I'm a fucking dragon. I'm a fucking golden dragon who exists, damn it. Anyway, the the, the only thing that saves all this for me, I mean, it was fine. It it was really interesting action. It just doesn't make any logical sense, but whatever. But then I had completely forgotten about Yaskir, as I think I was supposed to. And then he wakes up still at the campsite like, "Hmm, huh? Where is everyone? (laughs) It's fucking hilarious that he just didn't happen to be there. Uh, so he follows everybody's trail up the mountain. That's when he passes the dwarves. And he's like, oh, y'all queued up. And he breaks the spell or the spell is broken, I guess. He finds Geralt and Yennefer before uh, being frightened by the arrival of Tay and Vea because he doesn't know they're alive yet. The dwarves show up too. And they're like, oh, we, aren't they like Scottish? Yeah, they've got a really thick brogue, brogue accent. Yeah, like we, Scottish we missed brogue. all the excitement. They're all pissed off. But then... Uh, I think it's Borch back in his disguise says he can, I pulled out all my wife's teeth and you can just have them and uh, go get the vasildom from the king. Yeah. And they're like, sweet. Uh, And then then they dab on their way down to the mountain. (laughs) Yeah. They all, as dwarves do. I wonder if they they couldn't take the shortcut back though. Uh, Cut back to Siri. She's tied with Calanthe's sash to a tree. Dara frees her. And that's when they break up. Uh, he frees her and he's like, you know what? You really fucking suck to hang out with. Like your family killed my whole family. I was trying to let that go. But every time I hang out with you, really bad shit happens. I don't even know why I hang like you gave me a glove. And other than that, it's been all one way. Right. Yeah. And she's like, that's fair. So they go their separate ways. Um, cut back to Borch. He's talking with Jennifer and Gerald. And I don't understand this scene. It's pretty dick because Gerald and, and uh, Jennifer basically start falling in love and admitting that they both love one another. Everything's going great. And then they start fighting and Borch is like, stop fighting. I'm a dragon. And I know that your relationship actually doesn't work out and it's terrible. There. Do you feel better? Yeah. They're like, definitely (laughs) not. I don't know why you spoke at all. That was what you're a terrible mediator. That's the power of the gold dragon. Beep, beep. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and anyway, uh, Geralt's super pissed off because obviously he loves Yennefer and that's upsetting. Um, Geralt yells at Yaskir, nearly bites his head off, metaphorically speaking. And then Yaskir's like, fine, this is bullshit, I guess. I pers- Fuck me, right? Yeah, I'm kick he rocks. wanders off. And then we cut back, finally end back with the fucking Nilfgaardian Kahir. And Fr- Fringilla tells him, because uh, apparently when, when we cut away, Yaskir had killed the entire like tavern or guardhouse, like 27 people, because he didn't know which one was the Doppler. And for Jella's like, uh, simply using silver would have sufficed. Uh, I guess this will do. And he's like, fuck him. Uh, and she's cleaning his wounds and stuff while he's pouting. And he talks of leading Nilfgaard. Uh, she's even more fanatic. Um, and I don't understand because a lot of people, Kahir's not the king of Nilfgaard. Right. But the show. Right. Thinks he is. Is that what's going on? Well, he's definitely like the center point for Nilfgaard. Like he's leading whatever the 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 charge is into these uh, these campaigns of war. He's leading that. 
Because I thought in like the lore of the games and or the books that there was like an emperor of Nilfgaard. Yeah, I think his name's Amir, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's definitely not Kahir, but whatever. Um, he tells her to go gather the army again. It's time for them to keep moving forward. And that's the end of episode six, Rare Species. And we we kind of already spilled the beans on our thoughts on this episode. I think we both agree that it's um, very strong season one, a show we love. This is one of the weaker episodes of the eight. Is that correct? Uh, I would put it in like the lower middle for me. Really? Um, it, it's that's, saved, that's higher like, than I would have thought. The, the, the ending, anything with the dragon at the very end is like super low budget and kind of undercuts the story. And then the way it kind of ends with, uh, it has a, it has a poor ending. Everything leading up to the ending, I think is really, really fun and good. It's like, we're going to go on a magical hunt for dragon and then fun ensues. And then the way it ends is kind of like, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, for sure. But I, 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 we'll get to it later in the next couple episodes. But I have, I have some thoughts about the next couple episodes. So I bet you do, my friend. Things kind of get crazy a little bit. A little crazy. Uh, thank you, everyone who listened to us on mute the entire time just to help us out. Uh, thank you even more so to those of you who uh, orally tuned in to what we had to say. Uh, I absolutely adore talking about The Witcher. This reminds me of the Stranger Things days of yore. Uh, and even though we miss Andy dearly, I had a blast. What about you, Steve? I had one too. That wraps up our coverage of episodes four, five, and six. Uh, you need to subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash streaming things to hear our coverage of episodes seven, and eight but don't worry if you don't have any money we get it that's cool man we don't either we'll be talking about season two later on my name is chris and i'm steve this has been streaming things happy Happy streaming happy streaming